Island. <laughs> or many Americans Island. call it Gilligan's Island, Island, but I called it Island, right? So anyway, she is political commentator, media host, and journalist. She's the uh, main host and a producer on the online TV show Young Turks. Uh, having begun her uh, working as a film producer on the show in 2007, she also appeared on the television version of the show that aired on Current TV. She's a vocal critic uh, of the political establishment. Uh, she is a, just to for some people that are confused, She's not a birthing person. She's a woman, just so everybody knows. Oh, thank God you and, clarified and that. And we're going to have to talk about what the situation's in California. She went She went in high school somewhere in Van Nuys. I, mm -hmm. The name, the, 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 it's, it's a school that's no longer around. You're a CSUN right. grad. So is Tom. So there's some similarities here. Uh, uh, a possible controversial figure, fiery, will push back. Uh, uh, energized, smart, you got the whole thing going on, so it's an honor to have you here on the podcast. Thank you, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes. I, I enjoy listening to your podcast. It could also get very fiery. Yes, um, yes. The last podcast episode I listened to, actually this morning, was a fiery one where, I what's the name of the guy? It was like a financial gentleman, Schiff, I think is his last name. You guys were a debate. Oh, Peter Schiff. Yeah. That oh, was, yeah. Oh, that Peter got Schiff. Schiff. Yeah. That was a, yes. <laughs> wow. Very. Fun, fun, fun. Yes. By the way, respects yeah. to our good friend Jenk, who's been here multiple yeah. times. And uh, how's he doing? He's doing great. He enjoys coming in here. He loves that. You know, I, I think that he and I are similar in that we like to debate and we like to share our opinions and then end the conversation knowing that there's no bad blood. So I think he enjoys being able to come in here and, and speak his mind. And, you know, you guys seem to treat him with respect, even though there are disagreements. So. Oh, we, listen, yeah. last time we even had lunch at the house together, got a chance to get to know his mm -hmm. wife. It was a great conversation. Oh, no. Candidate Jink now, yeah. and he the Supreme Court irritator. Oh, that's right. We saw the video that he's uh, uh, he's running for office. I saw that video. Uh, he sent it to me. It's going to be interesting to see. By the way, did you see Arnold yesterday said uh, that uh, he thinks he would make a great president, you know, something to do with the laws change? I don't know if he saw Jenks' video or maybe. not, and maybe that's the influence. Maybe. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Arnold, I'd be a great president. That's right. This was a, a day ago. He'd be a great president. His worry is... Um, whether uh, 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 Biden or Trump, he's worried about those two candidates. Obviously, you can't blame him on one side. One person can't walk. Maybe you can blame him on both sides for some people, but uh, he would be, he sounds like he wants to get in there and compete. Anyways, before we get into it, let me kind of give you some of the stories we're going to cover today. Uh, one, uh, Arkansas Governor uh, Sarah uh, uh, Huckabee signed an executive order banning woke words in the state document. I'm curious to know what you think about it. Meta sued by 42 attorneys, uh, gen uh, attorneys general alleging Facebook, Instagram features are addictive and target kids. Okay. Americans trust 
and media plummets to historic low. Worse than last Damn. month? <laughs> it's not as if it's low. It keeps going lower. How could it keep plummeting? Yeah, Hillary I'll Clinton, a uh, uh, motivational speaker, was confronted <laughs> by Heckler over Biden's warmongering speech. Sit down. Uh, more in new poll says patriots may have to resort to violence to save U.S. Can you imagine, like, what it's like right now? So, listen, bro, I don't want to kill you, but can you just stop? Like, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to have to. Yeah. Imagine, like, we have to say military has to use yeah. violence, and then you have uh, another one here. Uh, the Supreme Court could soon change the internet forever. Here's what you need to know: it has to do with censorship. Like, you can't delete anything. Very interesting. The great. California, the, the governor that you love dearly, so much. For, for sure. So much. Newsom has a surprise meeting with uh, China's uh, leader Xi amid warm welcome in Beijing. Now, he talks about economy, but why would you go there to meet with sure. this guy? Maybe because he knows he, some. he thinks he's already president. He thinks he's he already really president. The Santa's campaign launches Trump accident tracker, okay? Democratic lawmaker says Congress should consider vote to censor Representative Rashid uh, Talib. So we'll see what that's going to look like. Uh, Netanyahu got all the warnings, says former head of Israeli military intelligence. Vinny, you got a video from Ron Paul you want to show, which we'll show here in a minute. Yep. A story came out about a month ago. A leftist, this is the article, leftist Anna Kasparian says California is a shit show. Oh, God. Guy, How could you? I can't believe I'm yeah, sitting next to you. I can't believe them. Liberal commentator rages over cost of California's electric car shift. Uh, Anna Kasparian doubles down after bashing trans-inclusive term birthing person uh, as degrading to women. We'll cover that as well. Head of Hamas, Hezbollah, and Islamic Jihad meet uh, Queen of Jordan. And then we got a couple other stories. Dana White, uh, when we had the meeting with him and the Bud Light CEO, it seemed like he was very friendly and supportive of what they made, the mistake they made. This was about six weeks ago, seven weeks ago with Dana White and the CEO of Bud Light. And then now the announcement comes out that Bud Light partners wow. with UFC, and they're back. If there's a company that could save, I believe, Bud Light, it's UFC, and it's Dana White. But maybe we can talk about that, too. Oh. And then a couple other things. We cannot go without the shooting that happened yesterday. 22 dead, 16 injured, uh, still on the run. Within 40 minutes of the shooting, they already had his background on everything he had done before. That was very quick. Research typically doesn't go that quick, but they kind of knew who this guy was way before it happened, it we'll seems like. We'll find out why. Hamas, a uh, fighter trained in Iran before October 7th. And then we got a few other stories to get into. Rob, before we get into all these stories and learning more about Anna, I want to first go to our sponsor. So if you can play this clip, we're going to do it early so we can go right into the podcast. Since 9-11, the day before 9-11, and I've owned stocks, bonds, mutual funds, real estate, crypto, gold, you name it, I've owned it. But the one thing that's very important part of my portfolio all these years is gold. I love having a percentage of my net worth in gold that I have access to in case of many different things. That's why we chose to work with our new sponsor, American Hartford Gold. If you have retirement funds that you cannot afford to lose, American Hartford Gold will ship physical gold or silver directly to your door. Also, if you have retirement funds that you can't afford to lose, now is the time to call American Hartford Gold, a precious metal dealer you can trust. They have the finest products, amazing customer service, and a buyback commitment. They've earned a five-star rating from thousands of reviews and an A-plus from the Better Business Bureau. Tell them I sent you, and they'll send you up to $5,000 worth of free silver on your first order. So click on the link in the description or call 866-939-6984. Again, 866-939-6984. Fantastic. The link's going to be below, and you have the number. Anna, before we get started, mm -hmm. for the audience that maybe doesn't know you, maybe they don't follow you know, politics, they don't follow stuff closely, I know your story. If you don't mind taking a minute and sharing your background, your story. Sure. Um, so 
I am the daughter of two Armenian immigrants. Uh, they immigrated here as refugees uh, fleeing Soviet-era Armenia. Um, and so it's funny because I think a lot of people look at me and they just see um, American-born white woman. Uh, but I had an interesting upbringing, you know, considering where my parents came from. Didn't speak any English, as you mentioned earlier, until I started school, elementary school. And I remember you know, the entrance exam consisted of an educator basically putting up these uh, cards that had letters on it, didn't recognize any of the letters. That was the first moment I realized there's an entire language I don't know. <laughs> and I was like really, really hard on myself about that. So I would wake up super, super early in the mornings to watch Sesame Street. That's how I learned English. And then English ended up being my strong suit, being able to speak, write, uh, I love history. And so when I was in middle school, my mom asked me, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, have you thought about it? It's really important for you to be, you know, independent, career minded. Middle school. In middle school. Yeah. Oh, my mom was very, very interested in keeping my mind in building a career for myself. For her. You know, wow. so. I told her I wanted to be an actress, and she's like, no, I'm not going to let you be an actress. That's not going to happen. <laughs> so she Sounds like an Armenian mom. Absolutely. Yeah, she's like, Pichot Unless if your name is Chris. Yeah. Unless if your name is Chris, that's a different Yeah, story. yeah. yeah that's, that's, very, that's so funny. <laughs> so instead, she was like, um, you know, you love watching. At that, at that time, I was watching ABC's 2020 every Friday night. I was obsessed with it. I loved Barbara Walters. I loved the interview she was doing. And so my mom's like, what about... What about journalism? And the second my mom said it, something clicked in me. And I was like, no, 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 that's that's exactly right. That's what I want to do. So from that moment on, I really was driven to do the kind of work I'm doing today, um, being able to share the news with the world, but do it in a look the the environment we live in is very different from what I thought it would be from what I thought it was when I was growing up. And so I realized that the journalism of the past doesn't really fit in the society we live in today. And there's just this, I don't know, this like superficial way in which legacy media outlets do their jobs. There is a truth out there. And I feel like a lot of times they're so interested in appearing neutral that they don't give their readers or their audiences all of the details of the story. They omit certain things. And so when I started working in the media industry, I started off at CBS radio, which is very much like traditional news. And I was depressed. I was there for about six months before I realized, oh my God, the best that I could ever do in an environment like this is work my way up to being an anchor. And the anchors would come in like 10 minutes before the broadcast and just regurgitate what was written for them. Mm. And I found that so boring. Um, there was no mental stimulation involved. I just hated it. And one day, one of my colleagues there came up to me and asked, you know, are you interested in doing this temp job for two weeks? It's for a new show called The Young Turks. And I was like, the Young Turks, what is that? And I asked a bunch of questions about the name. And once I realized what the show was about, I was like, all right, it's two weeks. I'm going to go to Europe for a month. First time I'm traveling out of the country. I could use the money. Why not? So I go in there. And on the very first day, Cenk Uger comes in. He's like rushing in. He's super late. He's got a bunch of papers in his hands. I'm like, oh, my God, look at this this guy. So, so an unprofessional. What am I doing here? I'm glad it's only going to be two weeks. But then he sits down. 
And he just starts railing against the Bush administration and their preemptive war in Iraq. And remember, this is at a time when the news wasn't really telling the truth about what, how much of a disaster that war was, how much of a disaster our war crimes were. We were committing war crimes. You know, the Bush administration was. And it just felt so refreshing to see someone give the audience the facts about what was happening on the ground, but also just tell the truth <laughs> about how much this is going to lead to backlash toward the United States, how counterproductive this is. And I just really appreciated that. So once I saw how he conducted himself and how he was telling mm. the audience what the reality was, I didn't want to leave. And eventually um, things kind of came to a head because the company was in dire straits, financially speaking. Uh, we were carried on something called Air America Radio. That's where the majority of the revenue was coming from at that time. And so Air America had gone bankrupt. At this time, I'm working both jobs. I'm still at CBS because that's the stable job. I love TYT, but it's not so stable. And it might go under any minute because of Air America going bankrupt. And Jen calls me into his office. I'll never forget this day. I remember it so vividly. He just tells me, listen, I need you to quit CBS. And I was like, oh, okay, but looks like TYT's in trouble. You guys might go under. I'm like, what happens if I quit my stable mm -hmm. job, work at TYT, and you guys go bankrupt? And he's like, well, that's life in the big city. And apparently that one line was persuasive enough for me to quit my job at CBS. Sold. Yeah. <laughs> and it was the best decision I made. I mean, it was a risk at the time, I guess, if you want to think of it that way. But I realized that I was so unhappy with what my future would have been if I stayed at CBS that I just decided to take that risk and figure it out from there. And look what you guys have done now. Kid, the right. two of you guys. It's, it's amazing. Great story. Thank you for sharing your story. I think it's the best transition into the story that came out yesterday. Americans' trust in media plummets to historic low. Okay, so this is an Axios story. Americans' trust in media has fallen to historic low. According to new polling from Gallup, trust in media has previously dropped to 32% in 2016 before rebounding slightly. Those gains have essentially been wiped out, according to the poll. Only 32% of population reports having a great deal or a fair amount of confidence that the media reports the news in full, fair, and accurate way. The, other, uh, the only other time in recent history that trust had fallen to 32% was in 2016. In some cases, the sentiment is worse today. Record high numbers. Number of Americans, 39% said they don't trust the media at all. That number has steadily increased since 2018. Much of the sentiment dip is driven by Democrats and independents whose collective trust in media has plummeted 18 and 13 percentage points, respectively, from their 2018 peaks. Why do you think that is? Well, I think that the polarization that we're experiencing with the American electorate is reflected in how the media conducts itself. I think depending on what you're watching you will get only half of the story. Um, and then, so I think that's definitely true of some of the more new media outlets, independent outlets. They cater to a very specific portion of the audience, very specific portion of the electorate. And I think Americans are increasingly realizing, okay, I might be in a ideological bubble depending on what kind of news I'm consuming. So you have that. Then on a more corporate level, if you want to put it that way, uh, corporate media, legacy media, 
I mean, they've gotten so many things wrong over the years. And I think that all of those mistakes add up in people's minds and it leads to distrust. So I, look, I'll give you an example that I think you guys are probably definitely going to agree with. Um, but then I'll also talk about it in the context of some of the stories that I got wrong because I relied on legacy media. So in the lead up to the Mueller report, if you were consuming the New York Times, NBC, if legacy media was what you relied on for your information, you were under the impression that without question, the Mueller report will prove that Donald Trump had colluded. There was a big conspiracy between Donald Trump, Vladimir Putin and mm -hmm. Russia. The report did not bear that out. And it was just I just felt like I was misled by a lot of that reporting. I felt like a sucker for buying that reporting. So that already was like a major hit when it came to my trust in corporate media or legacy media. Then I saw the way they treated uh, Cenk Uger when he ran for Congress. The lies they told about him were outrageous. And I was like, oh, my God. I don't know what to believe from them if they are willing to literally take an interview he did with David Duke. That was a superheated interview. Cenk was not friendly to him. I mean, they took a sarcastic comment that Cenk made in the context of that interview, and they reported it as if he, was like, he wasn't sarcastic, yeah. like he meant what he said. And you go back and you watch that interview, you watch that statement, and you're like, no, it's very obvious he's being sarcastic here. So you start losing trust as these... I don't even want to say mistakes. I feel like in some cases, some reporters have an agenda and their agenda becomes clear in their misreporting. Intentional. Intentional. Now, I don't think that's always the case. I don't think that's the case the majority of the time. But when I look at the stories that I got wrong during the COVID era, right, and mostly culture war related stories, it's because the media intentionally, and I'm going to say intentionally, omitted incredibly important details of those various controversial stories. The Kyle Rittenhouse story, perfect example of that. I got that story wrong because I relied on corporate media. And look, I, I have to hold myself accountable, so I'm not saying that to place blame or transfer the blame onto others. I should have done my due diligence and I should have gone out of my way to read from reporters that might have a different perspective. I didn't do that. And now I've learned to really go out of my way to understand the arguments made on all sides. But if you are relying on one news source or if you are under the impression that the media outlets that have been around forever are the most credible, the most legitimate and the most accurate, you will be misled. You really do have to have a healthy, diverse media diet in order to get a better grasp on what's happening in the country and in the world. And, and, and you made a great point, and you mentioned it was like, right, with the Trump and all that. Can you bring that chart back up, Rob? Notice how in 2016, Donald Trump, the election, where's that? You, you have that. Look, look at, at 2016, Rob, look at, look at that drop that Republicans are like, we know that they're lying, but look at how. Democrat. What you're showing is so the audience knows the red yeah, is Republican, the red is blue is a Democrat, Democrat and the dot is the independent. So Go independence forth. kind of pack gradually went down, Anna. But notice the the Republicans knew that they were full of crap. But isn't that crazy? Democrats were like, oh my God, we love the the they're telling the truth about Trump and everything. And then look at it's still slowly, gradually dropping down to 58 percent. But it's crazy how that moment in time, the 2016 that election, the Trump and everything. Uh, it was like, the, right when he said fake news, people were like, yeah, whatever, he's full of crap. But look at that. And whose data is this? Whose report is this? Who's the source? 
I don't know, but it's but is it's this a, like an independent survey. I know Gallup just put out right. um, put a survey. Because, Pat, yeah. my understanding is if you take out sports scores and weather, this is actually zero. Yeah. For Democrats. No, media. Yeah, Trust Gallup. in media. If you oh, take gotcha. out sports scores and yeah. weather, it's actually zero. Oh, I see what you're saying. Got it. You, you know, based on what you're saying, I want to get your reaction on something. Can you pull up the Shamat clip? Can you pull up the Shamat? So Shamat, you know, billionaire, former owner of the Golden State Warriors. They run a very good podcast. Himself, David Sachs, and his peers. And Shamat, when he says things, he's not coming from a sensational, emotional. He just kind of says it the way it is. He's not a Trump guy. He didn't vote for Trump. He voted for Biden. He voted for Hillary. And then he just recently said this, I think, last week. Go for it. When Trump was elected, I was told that it was the end of the world. And that's what I thought. And I'd already underwritten him as an F. Okay. And then four years into the presidency, he was probably like a C in my mind. And then as I get a little bit of distance away, I realized, no, hold on a second. This guy was like a BB plus. Like he was pretty good. I voted for Hillary Clinton. I voted for Joe Biden. But this is the honest assessment. The guy did for the things that he was supposed to do a good job. And for where every other president found a way to, frankly, make our situation a little bit worse, specifically around wars, he did not do that. And that is a huge accomplishment that I think needs to be acknowledged. I think the thing that was smart about Trump was that he was willing to do business. Yes. He was willing to negotiate and he didn't feel the need to make these moral condemnations all the time. He was willing to meet with Kim Jong-un. He was willing to meet with Putin and, and Xi Jinping. And he avoided uh, criticizing them personally. He didn't call them dictators. He talked about how smart they are. Yeah. It's the art of the deal, right? I mean, at the end of the day, he's looking to do business. Now, this is not a pro-Trump podcast, this right here with Shaman and those guys. They're just kind of having a conversation. David Sachs even did a Twitter Spaces. The first one they did, they did for DeSantis. Him and Musk were wanting DeSantis to be the guy. They're not somebody that's want to get be, want, want to get behind Trump. And it seems to be there's more and more players like Shamat who are coming out saying, look, man, I couldn't stand the guy. I didn't agree with the guy. But if I have to choose between him and Biden, dude, what is going on today in the world? Like with Iran, with Israel, with Hamas, with you know economy, Ukraine, with everything. Russia, with economy, all this stuff. What the hell is going on? Yeah, okay, I don't like him, but I would much rather have him than who we have today. What do you? What is your reaction to what Shamat said? My reaction to that is, look, you can look at the policies that he implemented and grade him on that. But I think that's entirely separate from my genuine concerns about Donald Trump. And they're not policy related at this point. Um, I I do have some disagreements policy wise. But putting that aside, look, I think it's really important to protect our liberal democracy. And you know what I mean by that, right? When I say liberal democracy, I'm not referring to liberal Democrats. I totally get it. Yeah, I totally get it. I separation of powers, voting, like a democratic process, I am concerned, especially following, you know, what happened with the fake electors and all of that, right? I am concerned that Donald Trump doesn't value our liberal democracy. And he has said as such, I mean, in a fairly recent rally, he talked about, you know, solidifying and increasing power at the executive branch, which is, by the way, very similar to what led to mass protests against Bibi Netanyahu in Israel. Mm -hmm. He wanted to essentially disempower the judiciary in that country. 
And the Israelis stood up to that because they realized that it is a gross violation of their liberal democracy. And so that is my biggest concern with Trump. At this point, honestly, if I objectively step back and I look at what people had the biggest issues in regard to Trump's policies were, right? Like the biggest issues were his treatment of migrants. But then you look at the Biden administration and he continued a lot of those policies until a federal judge said, no, the COVID era is over. You can't use that as an excuse in basically preventing asylum seekers from coming into the country. So asylum seekers started coming back into the country as a result of that. But Biden wanted to just continue Trump era policies on immigration and the same Democrats who made Trump out to be the devil as a result of those policies, totally quiet about Biden, totally quiet, okay? There's just like so many examples of that double standard mm-hmm. that like now if I, if I look at Trump and I compare him to a, a typical corporate Democrat, there are similar, there are differences too. I don't want to make it seem like they're totally the same. But there are similarities, and a lot of those similarities have to do with the issues that Democratic voters claim to have a problem with Trump on. So I don't fear Trump policy-wise the way I did before, but I do fear what would happen to our liberal democracy under a second Trump term. Can you unpack that, please? I'm worried that he won't leave. I'm worried that he will disempower other branches of government in order to increase the power of the executive branch. So To have a third term, fourth term, like that's kind of what you're thinking? I'm worried that he won't leave after his term is over. I am concerned about that. You're worried he won't. Yeah. How do you implement something like that? Because I'm right there with you. I, yeah. you know, the whole concept of this mixed media diet <clears throat> In 2015, 2016, I basically didn't even work that year. I kind of had a nice exit for my company. I just sat around and watched MSNBC all day. Oh I boy. watched Morning Joe <laughs> oh every morning, okay? That's what it Straight is. Straight up. But, you know, we were fed this bowl of lies. And, and like most Americans who are watching traditional mainstream media, I fell for it. You got me. And just like the Mueller report, if we've seen the Durham report come out recently, it's kind of like, yeah, we, yeah they, get, they got us. But most people, I, I think, double down on what they believe. There's confirmation bias. Totally. They're not willing to say, like you said, hold themselves accountable and be like, yep, I got it wrong. Yeah. Yep, I got it wrong. Especially journalists. Most journalists these days, you talked about where journalism was and like sort of like the um, the journalism of the past. Most journalists these days are essentially activists. Right. Whether you're on Fox News, you're you're Hannity, you're 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 aligned with Trump. Whether you're on CNN and you're Don Lemon, whatever, you're literally crying when Trump is out of office. So this mixed media diet. So it's it, it's almost like for you personally, you're almost like a woman without a home. It seems, or maybe even a birthing person mm-hmm. without a home. <laughs> Thank you, Adam. Thank so you. There we go. Be clear here. Where do you go from here? Doesn't sound right. like you're a Trump fan. Doesn't sound like you have any love for Biden or even a Newsom candidacy. Where do you go from here? Where do you uh, absorb your media diet? Like, unpack all that for me. And and to be clear, Trump, like, how do you come up to the assumption that he's just never going to leave office? How does that happen? It's not an assumption. It's just based on his past behavior. You know, it's totally based on his past behavior and his, like, unwillingness to accept the election results. And by the way, I mean, I'm not a fan of Joe Biden. I, and 
I live in California, so mm-hmm. obviously it's a deeply blue state. The state was going to go for Biden anyway. So I didn't vote for Biden. I wrote in someone else. <laughs> I voted right. Bernie Sanders because I wasn't a fan of Biden. I continue to have issues with him, although there are some areas where he has done better than I expected. Let's just put it that way. Biden has? Yeah. I mean, there are definitely like policy areas where you guys might not agree and you guys might not, might not like what he's done. But, you know, he has I'll give you a perfect example. There were, because of the Trump era tax cuts for corporations and the wealthy, there were certain companies like Amazon, for instance, that cut away with paying nothing in federal taxes and in fact would get like a tax refund from the federal government, Mm. which is absurd. Obviously, Amazon is an incredibly profitable, successful company. What Biden has done is he has implemented a minimum 15% corporate tax, which I think is fair. If I'm paying a significant portion of my earnings to the federal government and I'm nowhere near as wealthy as some of these corporations or profitable as some of these corporations, they should pay. They should pay something. (laughs) And so 15 percent, it's not the effective. uh, I'm sorry. It's not the actual corporate tax rate, which should be 21 percent. Trump said that he was going to close all those corporate tax loopholes while cutting the corporate tax rate. He cut the corporate tax rate, but did not get rid of those corporate loopholes. And so that allowed for some of the most profitable corporations in the company to get away with paying virtually nothing in federal taxes. So Biden corrected that that wrong, in my opinion. And so I support that. Um, he's done other things, not nearly enough to help working Americans, but he's done more than I've seen from other Democratic administrations, including the Obama administration, which did not do nearly enough to help Americans following the 2008 economic crash. I want to ask you a follow up on this. So, okay, so let's go back to your concern, which is he's not going to go away. Okay. Mm -hmm. Some will say Obama's not gone away. Okay. Some Republicans will say Obama is still around and Obama's running, uh, aside from trying to do stuff, what he's doing with uh, his chef, but, you know, he's still around, (laughs) you know, with. Uh, uh, Biden, you know, encourage him to do that. Now, that that could be right, that could be wrong, and you can debate it, but no one knows 100%. Both sides are going to kind of be like, you know, no way, Obama's living his life, and he, this whole concept about Michelle running against never going to happen. Fine. It's a good t- topic that we can debate. And for you to say, I think he's not going to go away, I actually don't know if I disagree that he's not going to go away. Mm-hmm. But I think the way he's not going to go away is like a founder of a company is so concerned about uh, it, the policies that he put in place that he doesn't want the people that come after him to eliminate those policies. Like, do I think Bush cares? I don't really think Bush cares. Like, listen, I'm done. Let, leave me alone. Mm-hmm. I'm gone. I don't want to come and say stuff. Let me just go do my own thing, right? Do I think Hillary cares? Yes. Do I think Bill Clinton cared? I really don't think Bill Clinton cared. I think Bill Clinton's like, let me go do whatever I'm doing, right? I think Obama cares, and I think Trump cares, both of them. They, they're both legacy people, which is like, hey, you cannot undermine my legacy. Is it a valid enough of a concern to be that worried about it? I don't know. The, the part I would bring back to you is the following. It's been very interesting seeing how you're reacting to strange things and communities targeting you. For example, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Anna Kasparian doubles down after, this is earlier, this is like six months ago, after bashing trans-inclusive term birthing person as degrading to women. Okay. Now, somebody's going to be like, well, wait a minute. Anna would never. Why would, is, this, is this the same Anna from Young? That's not possible. That can't be. This is a mistake. This is a fake story, right? She would never debate birthing person. She should be okay with that. But no, progressive media host Anna Kasparian stood firm in her criticism 
of the term birthing person as degrading to women, she responded to backlash with humor, stating laughing out loud the meltdowns over wanting to be referred to as a woman rather than a birthing person is pretty wild and emphasized her refusal to apologize, saying I'll never apologize for that, especially as a biological woman who has had the effing lifetime of being told I'm less than some progressive criticized Kasparian for her stance, comparing her to J.K. Rowling and <laughs> accusing her of bigotry. Transgender activists clarified that the term birthing person was not used to describe individual women, but rather to include trans men and non-binary people in discussions about pregnancy. So I listened to this. I'm like, okay, if a person doesn't know you, but they know of you and you're with Young Turks, they're... Typical criticism in my Armenian community circle. I just kind of, you know, it's not like you don't know it. How could she work with the guy that said such and such about Armenian genocide? Okay, cool. I've heard that a million times. She's a socialist, Bernie Sanders, da da da. Okay, she's a Trump. You know, what's the TDS? Whatever the oh, derangement syndrome. Yeah, she's part of. She's this. She's that. Okay, that's the that's the criticism when you know friends are talking. I said, okay, cool. But then this kind of brings it out to like, no, she is actually not wanting to be bullied and categorized and cornered to have to agree with everything that's taking place. So you're almost experiencing a little bit of what Trump experienced as an individual that they're now attacking you. Yeah. And you've been for some of these guys, but now they're coming after you. So do you kind of see yourself saying, look, I don't know if I'm either it's I'm not the Anna of who I was five years ago, 10 years ago. Maybe I'm also maturing with some of my policies, maybe or growing with some of my policies or no, I'm not the Democrat of three years ago or socialist of five years ago. I'm I'm also evolving today. W what's going on with your transition? Well, hold that thought for a second, because I'm going to answer that question. Please. But before I do, I, I want to address one other thing, um, which is how much of a badass I am. OK. <laughs> and the reason why I say that is because. I single handedly persuaded the most well-known Turkish-American, Cenk Uygur, to, on his show multiple times, acknowledge the Armenian genocide. I did that, okay? I could have just given him the middle finger and said, you're a Turk. I don't work for Turks. I'm an Armenian. And I could have just demonized him for what he wrote when he was literally in college. He was a dumb college student who had a lifetime of Turkish propaganda in his head about the Armenian genocide. And I decided, no, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to persuade him of what the actual truth is. And I did that. And I give myself a lot of credit. No one else does. Armenians don't. But I'm going to give myself credit because persuading people, doing the hard work of persuading people, that takes effort. That takes strength. And we don't have a lot of that in America right now. We have a lot of crying and whining about people not agreeing with each other. And then everyone goes off in their own corner. They, everyone takes their ball and they go home. Okay. So to answer your question, you are correct. I, I do not like to be bullied or pressured into saying things or believing things that I do not believe. I find that terminology degrading. Okay. That. I personally, because I'm not a birthing person, okay? I'm a woman. What's wrong with being called a birthing person? Well, first of all, um, not all women even have the capacity to get pregnant. So it's degrading to them to be, essentially, to have their, their womanhood questioned if, they, if like, they're not what a point. unable, yeah. if they're unable to have uh, kids to begin with. But also, I mean, look, 
this is this is the thing that annoys me about this entire issue and conversation because they'll turn around and they'll say, no one's calling you a birthing person. Okay, um, does someone need to call an individual who finds the N-word offensive, the N-word, in order for him or her to find it offensive or degrading? You get what I'm saying? Of course. No one needs to be called that word to find it problematic or to have an issue with it. And besides which, I was called that, okay? Yes, in a medical setting. But this is a doctor who knows I'm a biological woman. Call me a woman. But I had a conversation with that doctor. Why did you feel the need to call me a birthing person? Like, where did that come mm -hmm. from? And in California, medical providers are basically like told that there will be penalties if they don't use the proper terminology or if they're caught doing anything discriminatory uh, toward the trans community. Now, if they're actually doing something discriminatory toward the trans community, I think medical providers absolutely should face consequences. But the idea that we should change all of our terminology, even toward women who want to be called women, in order to be inclusive is ridiculous to me. Now, if a transgender person wants to be called that, fantastic. I respect it. I'll do it. I'll engage in it. But I think in the context of my relationship with my doctors, I want to be called a woman. It's not that difficult. It is my personal preference. Okay? That doesn't mean that I in any way believe that transgender people should be treated differently or that they should be discriminated against or that they should not live lives of dignity. I have had an entire career defending them, supporting them. And this one issue led to ridiculous outrage among a fringe component of that community. They are not representative of the entire transgender community. And for that fringe component, if they think that they're going to shut me up and force me to say things I don't believe, they've got another thing coming. Okay, I'm going to say what I think every every single time. Do you think they're crossing the line a little bit and it's getting a little bit too ridiculous in certain sections? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And who's, they turn people off with and, it. And, and, and again, it is a fringe component of the transgender community, and they don't even realize how counterproductive they're being. And and who's allowed for that to happen? Who's who's been a part of that becoming a reality? Who do you think? Look, I think most people want to do the right thing. Okay, and so they want to be as accepting and tolerant and inclusive as possible, mm -hmm. and they don't want to come across as being in any way discriminatory. And I respect that. I think that it comes from a good place, but they shut their brains off sometimes and just go along with things without considering maybe some of the unexpected consequences, how others might feel about what they're engaging in. I think that there's this conflation um, with the gay community and the transgender community, because think about it. Like, I think a lot of people on the on the left think of the trans community the same way they thought of the gay community, right? Like, yeah, why not legalize gay marriage? Like, what's wrong with that? Who's it hurting? But when it comes to some transgender issues, there is a lot on the line, right? Like, when we do talk about kids transitioning, you want to make sure that we have a system in place where there's a proper protocol implemented to ensure that we're not transitioning kids who might not actually be transgender. You think it's okay to transition kids under the age of 18, even if the parents consent? What do you mean, medically? Medically. <sighs> Anna, you seem very smart to me, and I think you have common sense. Yeah, I do have common sense. I, I think it's a very difficult question to answer, Okay, I think that it is a problem when certain states completely ban it. 
because there are instances of, let's say, teenagers who identify as transgender, they're legitimately transgender, and I don't want to cause harm to those people, right? I think it's a really, it's a decision that's left, that should be left between the parents and the doctors. But at the same time, there are certain things going on where I do worry. Like, have, I don't know if you guys have read about the Tavistock Clinic in the UK that's shut down. And the reason why it shut down is because it just became this system of transitioning minors without really doing the proper protocols to ensure that they're, you know, they're working with people who are legitimately transgender. Okay, so you're 14 years old. I don't know if you said 14 or 13 years old. When your mom tells you, what do you want to be? You said, I want to go be an actress. So she's not going to be a pachatsats, right? And yeah. you said, I'm going to go be a Barbara Walters. Why don't you go be a journalist? Okay, right. That's exactly what I want to do. And I go, okay. What if your mom doesn't say that to you? What if your mom doesn't put that in your head? What if you go into Hollywood? Maybe your life's going to be a different story today. I don't know what it's going to be, good, bad, or ugly, but it's going to be a different that's life. That's probably what But what life. I'm saying is it's <laughs> yeah. going to be a very different life. I actually think you would, because you have drive, but yeah. it's going to be a different life no matter what direction you would have gone to. But the point I want to make is with this whole concept of even entertaining the thought of it being okay before the age of 18, you know, then, then that means like my idea, I have a controversial idea. I would rather have a 15-year-old kid that has a job paying taxes vote than a 28-year-old person who's never had a job, never paid taxes. That person shouldn't vote. So Pompey says, you're out of your mind. I get it. It's, a, it's not a, you know, normal idea that I'm proposing. You have the right to say you're out of your mind. But mm-hmm. my, what, what my idea is I want to give people the right to vote, who earned the right to vote, who have contributed to society, minus those who have disabilities, things like that. That's not what I'm talking about. Or elderly. All I'm talking about is a 15-year-old person should have the right to vote, who is paying taxes, has a W-2 job, has paid $3,000 of taxes, whatever, versus 28-year-old who hasn't. But this concept of saying, yeah, I think my son told me, you know, he's a girl, you know, and he, we have to do this, and da-da-da-da, and they're crying, getting emotional. I think we have to be a little less tolerant to stupidity and insanity. If you're 19 years old and you say, like my kids will say, that my son is having this tattoo conversation with me. Here we go. And you know which son it is. He's like, hey, but you know such and such has tattoos. I said, but Michael Jordan didn't have tattoos. He said, that's a good point. I said, Brady doesn't have tattoos. By the way, I hope these guys don't have tattoos in weird places. All I know is I don't, I've Probably. never seen tattoos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't know Michael could have a tattoo of goat somewhere you're never going to see. Like, or, what? But, but all I'm saying is these guys are like, what about this? Mm-hmm. And what if I want to get it? I'm like, dude, let me just put it to you this way. When you're 18, you can get it. Mm-hmm. Till then, I'm not going to support you getting a tattoo. After that, do your thing. My goal is to try to encourage you and as much as I can to one day not do this, right? Right. I mean, but that's your parental right, okay? So I think that I get uncomfortable getting in between a parent, their child, and their doctor, right? I actually do believe in parental rights. And so I do have an issue with some of these schools uh, and school districts promoting policies of keeping parents in the dark when it comes to their child transitioning. That's in the state of and, California. And sometimes. Yes. Yeah. And the reason why I say that, understand, yeah. look, I think that like in the state of Florida, in the legislation that they passed, there are exceptions for kids who might like, if there's reason to believe that their parents are going to be abusive, if they're informed of this, Right. There is a carve out in the legislation in Florida to ensure 
that the teachers have the ability to withhold that information from an abusive parent or abusive parents. I think that's important mm -hmm. because there are cases of parents who are abusive and might be awful to their kids, might maybe beat them, might disown them yeah. if they find out they're trans. So that's why I think it is important to have protections for those kids. However, at the same time, we've all acknowledged that the suicide rates among transgender people are high. And if I had a child who started identifying as transgender and I was not informed about it, I would lose my mind because I would be concerned well, sure. that I'm not there to help with my child's mental health. Things. But those are two right? different things. So I want, yeah. I, want, I want you to go, okay, so are you saying that a parent should have the right to allow their kids to transition uh, and change their sex? You're saying that should be the parent's consent? Yes, but I do think that there should be protocols in place and safeguards in place in the medical industry. Let's go to, one step forward. Yeah, and by the way, let me be clear. So w when we talk about medical transition, I'm not talking about surgeries. I'm talking surgery and oh, taking no, no, the no, hormones and stuff okay. like that. Uh, no, no, okay, so... Puberty blockers, I think, should not be, like, outlawed, okay? Puberty, there, so there's puberty blockers, and then there are the cross-sex hormones. pre 18 okay. puberty blockers you're okay with? I think in, in instances where there is a proper protocol in place to yeah, ensure... Come but in a, but okay, I'm not okay, so a science. We haven't seen what the outcome yeah. of these 20... It hasn't been 20 years to see how much these kids are going to have suicide. I think so, at 14 years old, I get what you're saying. The yeah. parent, it's... Pat, it's your kids. I don't. I would never get involved. I could give a suggestion, but to alter a child's biological makeup in the long run, I just don't. Here's a question. I, the Here's thing question. with puberty blockers is it depends on how long they're taking it, right? If they're taking it for a long period of time, there are possible side effects that are damaging, and it, it, it would cause irreparable harm. So I understand I, where you're coming from. When it comes to the surgeries, though, I'm entirely against the surgery. Okay. So that's good. So let's. So that's yeah. good that we have one step. But I want. I want to ask you this question. So, you're Armenian. I'm Armenian. Mm -hmm. There's another legendary Armenian out there called Jack Kevorkian. Uh, I don't know if you know who Jack Kevorkian mm -hmm. was. Doctor Doctor Death. Doctor oh, yeah. Suicide. Armenian? Right. Okay. He was Armenian. Legendary. Right. Awesome. They made a movie about him. I, I think Pacino played or De Niro played. Pacino. One of, Pacino, Pacino played him. Yeah. So, this guy, you know, hey, life is hard. You want to commit suicide? I'll do it for you. Don't worry about it. Life is very hard. So what if we get to a situation where mom and dad consent, son comes, daughter comes saying, life is so freaking hard. I can't do it. I want you to take me to the modern day Jack of Orkin, okay? <laughs> mm -hmm. And I want, to, I, want to, I want you to take my life away. And mom and dad pray on it. And they say, look, if that's what our kid wants, let's go take him. And I have mean, look, obviously I'd be against that because... Where maybe if I explain where I'm coming from, you yeah. can understand my my thoughts on this, right? I want to implement policies that cause the least harm to people, right? Transgender teenagers exist, and suicide rates among transgender people, especially if they're not able to feel comfortable in their own bodies, right? That that suicide rate is real, and so how do we balance? OK, the concerns of potentially causing damage to kids who aren't actually transgender because that exists. Right. There are detransitioners. And, and I my heart breaks for them because they've they were on puberty blockers for a long period of time. It did cause harm to their bodies, irreparable harm. And so I feel bad for them and I want to minimize the instances of that happening as much as humanly possible. At the same time, 
for teenagers who legitimately are transgender, I don't want to cause harm to them by entirely banning a medical process that could be beneficial to them. My point is, I don't believe that it is up to me to decide. I don't believe it's up to anyone in this room to decide what the right course of action is for them. I think it's up to the parents, the doctors, and you know the, the individual in question themselves. I have a question. It's sort of a macro conversation. Are, are you leaving this topic? No, I'm not leaving this topic right. whatsoever. I'm actually staying right here. By the way, shout out to Dr. Kevorkian, all the work that he's done with the youth in Asia. That's yeah, the, yeah. Boyakasha with Boyaka. everything that's been going on with that. Yeah. Um, with the youth in Asia. But to me, mm-hmm. and I want to stay here. This isn't a pivot. This is such a ridiculous distraction. What do I mean? Mm. Okay, there's so much going on in the world. Okay, we're, we're at $33 trillion in debt. we got runaway inflation. Interest rates are to the roof. People can barely make their car payments, mortgages, everything that's going on there, foreclosures. We're on the verge of a regional conflict that can go to World War III. And in America today, we're debating what the fuck is a woman? No, what I, is I, happening I in saying, American yeah. society that we're even having this long, elongated discussion where it's poignant and it's very like tangible, like, all right, birthing person, woman. It's like the rest of the world is looking at us and they're laughing mm-hmm. that, that America can't even get their shit together. This beacon of hope, this beacon of light, this shining city on a hill, this, am- this amazing situation that we have in America, and we're having hour-long debates, what is a woman? Right. China's mm-hmm. laughing at us, Russia's laughing at us, and here we are, very smart people, very informed people, and we're having deep discussions of whether Anna over here is actually a woman or not, or she's a <laughs> yeah. birthing person. What's and, your question? Uh, so my question is, why are we so preoccupied with this? Is this not one big distraction, the culture nope. wars, You're the identity? You're distracting from the topic, but uh-uh. The, no, no. I'm you're not dis- distracted. But you are, though. You're, no, you, you I'm, are, though. I'm I asking wanna st- why this is such a but big I don't wanna, topic. But I, I don't want to go to that topic. I want to stay on this topic. That's a completely different topic. Let us transition away from this. I'm still on this topic. The question we're asking right now is very important. We've gone through trans. She's not for the transition. She's for the medicine pro-hormones. In some cases, then I bring in Kevorkian. Is that something that we should allow parents to do if the kid wants to take their lives because it's hard? She's then saying no. Then it goes down to some people from trans are having true mental issues that they're going through, which is the next thing you said. Fair. I'm with it. But I want to know why. The other day, I have this guy at the uh, – uh, Rob, who, what's, what's our friend's name that we talked to? The plumber, <laughs> legendary plumber, Eric Hecker, who's a, uh, a Raytheon whistleblower. I can't, I can't wait, wait for this I'm to come out. I'm telling wait. you, you will be entertained the entire time. But he said something very interesting. He said, you know, what is mental illness? And how long has mental illness been around? He says, you realize if you have heart issues, we can show you have heart issues. Yeah. You can. You got a murmur or you got blood clot. High blood pressure. Or you got high blood pressure. There is data to say that. He said, how do we uh, measure bipolar? How do we measure, you know, depression? How do we measure all? And he's going through all asking all these questions. And he says, how do we know that? We don't know that. So you go to a doctor. What is actually the test for a doctor to know? that you have bipolar ADHD. What's the test? He's just asking you a few questions. Well, yeah. What are you dealing with? What are you going? There is no test. There is no data. They, your blood scored this or your de- So I'm sitting there listening to this guy. I'm saying, first of all, I don't, you know, okay, maybe interesting point. But then what has this led to? It's led to a multi, multi-billion dollar product, Big Pharma. Okay. So how profitable are these transitions? How profitable are these puber- puberty blocker products? By the way, I know you're saying, you know, why are we talking about this? There's other things going on in the world. For people that have kids, mm-hmm. this is a major concern to them 
because their kids are being fed this bullshit on a daily basis at public schools and parents are concerned, very concerned in some markets. I'm, I'm not concerned at this point because I've been talking to my kids about the stuff very closely and we have certain resources. Not everybody has certain resources to put them in public schools. So for me, all I'm going back to is when you were saying the, the depression, you know, where people are at. If you work with me, like if let's just say I'm talking about this yesterday. Melva, our nanny, 13 years, uses the word poblecito with the kids. Poblecito. I'm like, what the hell is this poblecito? Like a little poor baby. But I'm like, Melva, they're not poor. <laughs> These kids are not poor. Don't tell them they're poor. And Jen will say, poor Brooklyn. I'm, I said, babe, Brooklyn is not poor. She has a cell phone. Don't. She doesn't have a cell phone. But joke, don't joking. put that word in her mouth. Certain words we use, that's... The parent's responsibility. You allow those words to become real, and the parent didn't stop it. Tom, for you with two daughters, you're seeing this exchange in this topic. Control transition, because I know Adam wants to talk other topics. No, no, we're gonna not, get not at all. I, th this is important to discuss. What is what is, what is your uh, uh, thoughts when you're hearing Anna and I discuss this? Well, I have a unique perspective. My wife is a career teacher, educator. She's taught in public schools, LA Unified Public School, as a matter of fact, for 10 years, and she's uh, taught in private schools since. And I have two teenage daughters. Um, and so I have a house full of portable re reproduction units. And we... <laughs> <laughs> Took portable. me a second, but... Okay. I, I don't yeah. know how they'd feel about being called that. They're watching their pals. <laughs> if anybody has a couch I can sleep on for the next couple of days, I got let me you, know. Tom, I got you, the, So, but in all seriousness, what is happening in schools is, is kind of dangerous. We've gone to a movement of ratify and separate. It is in the public schools. Is ratify what they feel, whatever they feel, and then separate them from parental decisions. It is an intentional, it's, it's, a, it's a program, it's what the public schools want at high school. We want to ratify what you're saying and separate you from your parents. Whereas mental health experts will tell you, you want to, you know, process and counsel and that involves the bring the parents in but that's not what the schools want and so i see it on on that side where i can see schools that are actively and administrations and public schools that are actively pat trying to separate the kids from their parents in the first place and this is just another this is another way they do it rather than processing and counseling through you know, and you don't have to come down on the kid, but it's processing. You know what? Let's sit down with the counselor and your parents and let's talk about this. Let's get you in a safe place. Let's not have your dad turn, what? You, you want to be what? No, let's turn down the temperature in that room and let's embrace the child. Hey, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? Now let's process it and let's counsel through. Because most of the suicides come from isolation, it's the isolation in their own mind, and it's one word. It's hopeless. The word hopeless is what is tied to the majority of the teen suicides. And so how do they feel hopeless? Who is around them helping them feel hopeful, trying to embrace them, trying to process, trying to get to the center of where this is? Well, I've just never had a boyfriend. I've been really depressed. Sometimes they're going down bad decision lines. It's not a, you know, I've always felt this way since I was eight years old. No, they're going down some decision flows and other things that are happening socially. I just, look, the, the problem that I have is the assumption the assumption that like all parents are going to freak out and be super abusive to their kids yeah. if they find out that their child might be transgender. I, I just don't think that's the right mentality to have. I do think that there are some maybe like religious fundamentalist parents who could actually 
freak out. And so, again, it is really important to ensure that whatever policy is implemented, that there is consideration for children or for teens who might come from a family like that. However, no one loves these kids more than their parents right. for the most yeah, part. For sure. And I just know, look, I don't have my own kids. I have nieces that I'm very, very close with, my brother's daughters. And the idea that anyone in our family would be abusive to these kids if one of them legitimately like, identified as transgender is ridiculous. And I think my brother and sister-in-law should have the right as parents to be able to be there for their daughters if one of them is going through something like that. You know what I'm saying? It's just like this preemptive notion that the parents are going to be awful. I want you to see I this agree chart. with that. And remember, you can go into these public schools and it'll be like, don't tell your parents. They'll freak out. There is an assumption that's at the front of it. I agree with you 100%. I want you to look at this chart, Tom. U.S. sex reassignment surgery market. Markets. If you guys uh, are looking for a great investment, this yeah, is fantastic. Yeah, that's serious, okay. Pat. Seriously. Fantastic investment. Michael right Burry here. over here. Look at these procedures and how it's climbing Jeez. year by year. So you're thinking year. that the, the increase is really driven by the health industry. Um, oh, my and God. I mean, interesting. look, think of, and by the way, I don't think I, I would consider as one of the possibilities. I'm not saying this is it. I'm just I'm a guy that wants to weigh out and do odds. Right. This is a very profitable business. Like when you think about how much Prozac makes, how much these pharmaceutical companies make. And then, so the, the business model is this. Guys, let's make $60 billion and we'll pay $3 billion in fines in 10 years. What a great business model, okay? So let's go make $80 billion and let's set aside 10% for fines. That's going to come back because we're going to screw a lot of people's lives. Mm -hmm. But we already made $80 billion. So put the 10% in a lawsuit that's going to come in 10 years. Here's the $8 billion. Guys, very responsible CFO. What a great job you did. And we'll call this $8 billion a marketing expense. It's not a marketing expense. It's a future lawsuit that's going to come that you screwed oh, a lot man. of people's lives, okay? Yeah. So this, this pharma thing is not like a hypothetical. There's so many books written on people from big pharma that left the industry, were sick of it, and they said, this is really what's going on behind closed doors, and you got to kind of pay attention to it. By the way, very profitable, and typically these guys, if you look at lobbyists, which industry has the biggest lobbyists? Can you pull up the biggest industry of lobbyists? Biggest industry of lobbyists. There's insurance is going to be up there, but you'll see pharma's up there. Oh, there you yeah. go. Look at the number right there. Pharmaceutical and health product industry has spent the most lobbying over the last 24 years. I think you and I may be on the same page with lobbyists. These guys are going around like getting massive paychecks, making all the money in the world, and they're Imposing laws. You well, mean, what a, I'm sorry, you off right. What a great point because I was just writing here question marks. Why? Why the push? Why all this? Big pharma is back. Just great example because why is the left all the uh, all the government pushing it so hard now? Five point two billion dollars spent on lobby in the last twenty four years. years. That's freaking insane. Three hundred fifty six million was just in twenty twenty one. And that push is working, Pat. Guess one out of four high school students in America identifies LGBTQ. Plus to whatever they're adding. Well, I think they're surfing day. the wave that has been made by, purpose. you know, the, the hyper liberal left on this. I think they're surfing the wave, but they are sure exploiting it and lobbying to it because EPS earnings per share is a sexy mistress. Follow the money. You always let's, say let's that. Let's go That's to the, the next story. Unless if you have final, thought, trend, if you right? got final thoughts, I'll give it to you unless if we'll go to the next story. Yeah, California. the final thing I'll say is I think that our issue with legalized bribery leads to a lot of the distrust and a lot of the, you know, 
I'm not saying you're you're engaging in conspiracies, but there there's a lot of conspiratorial thinking overall in the country right now, and I think it's mostly driven by the distrust that we have in our institutions, and I think that distrust really comes from the fact that we don't really have politicians that are looking out for us at the moment. You know who we else have does? politicians who are in like they're literally investing in individual stocks yeah. after getting briefed in closed door briefings on various issues around the world and in the country. Then they turn around and they trade stocks based on that information. That's insider trading. You, you have money in politics. You have these corporations. You have these lobbyists padding the pockets or the coffers, I should say, of these politicians. Yeah. So when you see all of this policy being passed that doesn't actually benefit ordinary Americans, that leads to the anger, that leads to the distrust, and I think it's really at the heart of a lot of the problems we have in this country Wait, right you, wait you mean to tell me, Anna, that Nancy Pelosi didn't make her $150 million by no, luck? I don't <laughs> no, I'm, know. I'm, I'm, I, don't, yeah. I don't know if you yeah. guys know this, yeah. but Nancy Pelosi is like a genius when it comes to the markets. Weird. I mean, her her, fa- her her husband Paul is predictive and, skills. Let's go to another genius. CBC <laughs> tried to get her to replace let's, Jim Cramer. She wouldn't take the job. She's worth two hundred ninety million. <laughs> let's go to another genius, uh, Newsom. Uh, here's an article from the Blaze a month ago. Leftist anarchist experiences. You're trying California. to get me in trouble. You're trying California. to get me in trouble. Yeah, California <laughs> is a shit show under Newsom. Yes. Leftist commentator anarchist sparing the young turst describes California as a shit show. The leadership of Golden State California uh, Governor. Governor Newsom, a Democrat, California is without a question to shut you under Newsom, but I guess propping up proven failures is what the Democratic Party excels. True. At these days, Kasparian uh, uh, opined in a post on X, failure is what Democratic Party excels at. Uh, I'm sorry, no, Newsom, who served as governor since 2019, won re-election last year after surviving a governor. Da-da-da-da-da. Okay, so California. You're still living in California, right? I lived there for 24 years minus three years in the Army. You lived in California. You lived in California. I was born there. And he's dated a lot of Californians, but he's never lived in California. So how is California like today? How is your governor doing today? And why are you still in California? I'm still in California. I was born and raised in Los Angeles. I'm not going to leave and just allow the most extreme elements of the left destroy the state. Okay, so I'm going to stay and I'm going to fight and I'm going to make it better. I think L.A. and California in general still has a lot of potential, but there have been some policies implemented that have been disastrous. So Gavin Newsom and the current uh, Democratic legislature in the state of California have engaged in this trend of decriminalizing everything and refusing to regulate things. So I'll give you some examples. One of the things that they decriminalize but refuse to regulate is prostitution, okay? I think that sex work should be legalized and regulated, okay? What I mean by that is I don't want to see prostitutes walking around in thongs on the streets as kids are walking to school. But what the Democrats in California have done is we're not, we don't have the balls, to actually legalize and regulate it, and we're lazy as hell. So we're just going to do the super lazy thing of decriminalizing, which means we're going to disempower our legal system, disempower law enforcement, and just allow sex workers to do what they're currently doing right now, which is they have no protection, they're not paying taxes, they're being controlled and, and sex trafficked by Johns, okay? It is the worst possible solution to the issue, 
Okay, no one is safe. Everyone's angry. And you see all sorts of terrible stuff happening right there in broad daylight in the middle of the street. Okay, they did the same thing with drugs. Okay, we're going to decriminalize. So what do you see in California? Bunch of people shooting up. Okay, and smoking crack all over the place. I'm sorry, I'm not interested in seeing that. I don't think that we should be, you know, dealing with that on the metro system. Mm -hmm. Why do taxpayers have to deal with that? So they don't want to they don't want to do anything to regulate. Again, I am fine with legalizing these things as long as we regulate it. As long as we find the right balance to keep everyone safe, keep everyone as happy as they can be. So we can see these cities thrive, but these cities are not thriving. Okay. San Francisco is terrifying. And I, it's hilarious to me because the business community there wants to put lipstick on a pig. They want to put out this $4 million ad campaign pretending as though everything in San Francisco is all hunky dory. It's not hunky dory. San Francisco is a nightmare. Yes, violent crime went down a little bit, but <laughs> your car's going to get broken into. Okay, you're going to get robbed. Th those are up, by the way. Both yeah, of those, those two are categories up. are and up. Correct. And the smash and grabs, and you left okay, those smash and grabs in LA because they decriminalized yep. under thousand dollars. Keep so. going. I mean, it's just not. It's not right. There are certain issues that we've had for a long time. The drug war was a failure. And so going back to the drug war, I don't think is going to be effective. But you know what else isn't effective? Hmm. Using taxpayer money, funneling it to nonprofits so they can literally buy crack pipes and hand them out at Skid Row. And there, bleach There pits. is video evidence of that. How does that make So any anyone sense? on the left yeah. who wants to come at me and pretend like this is just a right-wing scaremongering talking point, you're full of crap. And you should go online and you should watch the videos of literal. We spent $13 billion dollars in Los Angeles alone last year, to combat homelessness. You want to know where that money went? That money went to these trash nonprofits who have a bunch of executives making half a million dollars a year. You're working for a nonprofit dealing with homelessness. That's my money. That's my parents' money. Okay? That is the hardworking people of California paying incredibly high taxes that go to what? So, yeah, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. And honestly, just experiencing what I've seen on the ground in California has made me question a lot about left-wing ideology. Now, what do you think about your governor going and spending time with G this last week? I'll read the story to you. Uh, I think even even just happened maybe yesterday. Yesterday. He was there yesterday. Was. Yeah, so here you go. California Governor Newsom has a surprising meeting with uh, China's leader Xi amid warm welcome in Beijing. California Governor uh, Newsom Xi during a, his visit to Beijing uh, underscores a shift in U.S.-China relations. Newsom's focus on climate cooperation comes in height, heightened tensions between the two nations, with Xi expressing hope that the visit would enhance cooperation between China and California. Xi stated, I hope your visit will enhance mutual understanding between the two sides and play a positive role in expanding cooperation between China and California and promoting the healthy and stable development of uh, sino uh, U.S. relations. During these discussions, Newsom and Xi addressed the acceleration of climate progress and combating the transnational shipping of precursor, precursor chemicals for synthetic drugs such as fentanyl. Xi hinted at the possibility of attending the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Summit in San Francisco and meeting with U.S. President Joe Biden. Why, why do you think he's in China? He's in China because he already thinks of himself as the president. Okay, he. I have no doubt that eventually it'll come to a point where the Democratic Party has 
decided, no, 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 this is the person you need to vote for. Anyone who speaks out against him is the enemy. I would just say that his leadership in California is good reason to brush him off for the loser that he really is. Okay, you're over there in China talking about fentanyl, right? How about you clean up your own house? How about you take a look at what's happening with the prosecutions or lack of prosecutions of the drug traffickers in your state? He can't be bothered to deal with that, right? He can't be bothered to deal with the absolute degenerate garbage that comes out of his administration. Instead, he's going to China pretending as if everything he's been doing in California is great. And he's a great leader who, you know, has that road paved for him to be president. I can't stand Newsom. OK, we're talking about a guy who has implemented policies that has increased crime in his state. And then he turns around and says, no, no, I'm going to sign off on this uh, legislation that bans bulletproof vests in California. What you're going to ban bulletproof vests without addressing the like obvious violent crime that's happening in your state that's on tape that's all over the media. He just wants to pretend like what he has done to the state hasn't actually happened, but it's happened and people are angry. They're furious about it. The thing that frustrates me is that a lot of people vote based on vibes, right? So they look at him and they mm -hmm. see a, a relatively young guy with good hair and he carries himself well and they think that that's a leader. But look at his leadership in the state and then please come talk to me about how successful he's been. And he's trying to put the fake on that right now. He's trying to put the head fake. Uh, he vetoed the bill about uh, parents and trans. You saw that? I did see ago? that, yeah. Then he vetoed a bill that was being pushed by the unions to enforce fully automated trucks that would go up and down I-5. Um, I that if they were a fully autonomous truck, they still had to have a human sort of driving the truck insane and it insane. was a, it was a jobs bill basically and he went against that he vetoed, so yep. he picked a few things out to really kind of get this vibe moving toward the middle and they chose to promote those things i think the whole thing is a stage show and i think the fix is in and i, I, I agree i, I was just gonna say this so i agree i agree with you 100 he's one of the you know reasons that we left i know he was he had trying to get a recall with uh larry elder it didn't work out but what I, I, I can't wrap my head around why people keep voting for it's not like it's just him. It's just it's not changing. Huh? And you said you would you're not leaving because you want to make a change. What the hell can the people that are there mm. do if they keep voting for the same exact people? Same as Chicago, same as Baltimore, same as all those horribly ran states. Why do they keep voting for these people? I just don't I don't get it. Look, I, I can't speak for other parts of the country, but I think California is notorious for voters who aren't really politically active, politically aware, and that has created a vacuum. Or for, informed. For, uh, yeah. Well, when it comes to politics, I would say, right? Yeah. And so that's created an opportunity for some of the more far-left activist fringe of mm -hmm. the party mm -hmm. to basically take control of things. Uh, and I'm talking about like the individuals who think that it makes sense to literally abolish prisons and police, which yeah, unbelievable. And, and then they turn around, by the way, when I cr critique it or criticize it, it's like, no, no, but we don't actually mean abolish. No, no, you mean abolish. Newsom has closed two state prisons during covid. He released Everybody. <laughs> tens of thousands of people from these prisons. OK, 
Now, he lied and told everyone that the people he released were all nonviolent offenders, yeah. all nonviolent offenders. They're not all nonviolent offenders. Some are rapists. I'll give you some. Exa I'll give you an example. I did deep research into this. I remember reading the story of one of the people who got uh, let out during COVID, a woman who literally murdered her boyfriend and then drove hundreds of miles north to dump his body. She got released. Jeez. So how are you going to come to me and tell me, no, 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 the only people who got released are nonviolent offenders. And by the way, let's say we give him that argument, right? We believe him. They were all nonviolent. Okay, what did you do after that? So you released tens of thousands of people in one of the most expensive states in the country during the coronavirus pandemic where a bunch of, where every business is shut down. There's mm -hmm. no work. Yeah. What, what happened to them? Where'd they go? Where did they go? They ended up on the streets, probably super desperate. You're on, you're on the streets. You're super desperate. What, what are you going to do? Recent graduate of Crime College. Yeah, and you nailed it. And there was one. The there, prison. there was one guy that got arrested. He was in jail for attempted murder. They released him. It was a story in Cali before I moved there, and he committed murder. And he killed somebody once they released him because they were like, "We don't want you to get COVID in jail." Are you Are you kidding me? To hell with them. They already they sealed their freaking their fate. And, and, and just really fast before you ask, and so if we you had to, to get, oh, if you had to get, no, it's all good. If you had to guess right now. Who's going to run? Let's say Biden's not. It doesn't look like there's no way this guy's going to run. If you had to pick two from the Democratic Party, I'm, I'm assuming uh, Newsom, who would be number two? If you had to guess and we had to bet money, who would you bet? Who would run? Who would who would go? Who would be the, the, the Democrats? Number one, you'd say Gavin Newsom. It's going to be Newsom. A hundred percent. Either. I think Newsom is first in line. Yeah. I think they're also considering people like uh, Gretchen Whitmer, the governor of Michigan. Oh, God help us. Look, I would take... Her over... <laughs> That's I, I just, horrible that we have not, to do that. I, not I, Kamala. I could never vote for Newsom. No, I just Kamala. can't. Not Kamala. Kamala um, useless. Well, here's my question. Yeah. Well, best if, of luck if, working If it's out. a true open primary, Booker and Klobuchar are coming, if it's a true open primary. But I don't think it's going to be open primary. That's why I say the fix is in. Yeah, when he's going to China... Like, what, has a governor ever gone, Pat, to go meet with a a world leader like that and talk about climate. By the way, China has one of the worst carbon footprints in the world, and they're over there talking about climate. Are you freaking well, kidding me? Just dude? to be clear on Newsom, best of luck out there in California. You know, Thank uh, you. good luck trying to convince uh, Californians to uh, displace their political ideology and vote independent. I think two thirds of, a, I think of Californians vote Democrat. That's not changing anytime soon. President Newsom, yeah. there he is. He's the man. You know, they say the old adage like it, when you're when you're running in primaries run to the left or run to the right, depending on what side of the aisle you're on, and then pivot to the middle. So in California, he's just running in a, in a, in a primary. He, he's pandering to the leftists and the woke mob in California, and that's easy because you're not going to unseat that guy running to the right. We saw what happened with Larry Elder. Five million votes still didn't even come close. Sorry, buddy. Yeah. Um, but talk about President Newsom as a general election candidate. He can't go far woke left. That's not going to win in America. So in my opinion, you know, I don't think he's that far left. I think he's pandering. Mm -hmm. He's a skilled politician. He's a force to be reckoned with. Anytime well, that you're doing what you're doing over there, showing up on Fox, dominating Hannity, doing his thing, he's meeting with Xi, now he's debating DeSantis. Whether you like him or not, he's a force to be reckoned with. It gen like you, you know DeSantis, I'm sorry, um, Newsom very well. What would a President Newsom candidacy look like in a general yeah. election, not just pandering to the left? Yeah, good question. Um, he would sell out the American people to corporate interests, just like he did with PG&E, starting fires and destroying countless Californians' lives as a result of that. He bailed them out. He totally bailed them out.
He has provided protection for them, even though they refused, absolutely refused to update their century year old equipment, which everyone knew was going to lead to devastating wildfires. That's exactly what happened. The, the fire that happened in um, Hawaii, same thing there, Maui. Yes, but look, what happened in Hawaii is very similar. Um, but one of the worst fires in uh, California history happened in 2018. It was the campfire. Mm -hmm. And that campfire happened because a PG&E hook that was uh, holding up the power lines mm -hmm. broke. What's PG&E for all of us? Oh, uh, it's Pacific uh, Gas and Electric. Yeah, okay. Pacific Gas and Electric. Is this the famous Trump uh, uh, Newsom meetup where they're raking leaves and doing yes. all that stuff? Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, that yes. worked out well. So Which, by the way, like that's the other thing about that moment with Trump. So yeah. he's not the most eloquent individual. Let's just put it that way. So when he talks about raking leaves, it's like, what is he talking about here? <laughs> but if he's volunteering for park range, I love what it. He's doing. He likes I to alone can fix it. Rake. All the leaves. I love but rakes. he did have Squirrels a will be point. happy. They live yeah. right he here. He did have a point. What I mean by that is you're supposed to do like the Native Americans, they would do controlled burns, mm -hmm. right? They would thin out the forest knowing that like wildfire season is coming and it's going to be unmanageable. You have to do controlled burns. The problem is communities don't like the controlled burns because the controlled burns like ruin the air quality temporarily. For a couple like a okay. couple weeks, yeah. But you there's really no other option. We're gonna end up having these wildfires, and if you don't take care of the vegetation, it's gonna make it a million times worse. Mm -hmm. So we had a point there. Yeah. And I the media but, overwhelmingly like brushed off that legitimate but Anna, point. what's the larger metaphor here? Because 99% yeah. of Americans are like, yeah, I don't give a shit about wildfires. But President Newsom, yeah. as a general election candidate, what does that look like beyond what's going on in California? Well, what we were talking about yeah. earlier, right? <clears throat> about the pharmaceutical companies and the lobbyists and how much influence they have over our politicians. Newsom is prime example, is a prime example of someone who would be overwhelmingly influenced by corporate interests. I know it mm -hmm. because that's exactly what happened with PG&E in the state of California. Mm -hmm. Okay. They fund his campaign heavily and he looks out for them to the detriment of Californians who literally lost their homes as a result of PG&E's gross incompetence and unwillingness to upgrade So what's the difference equipment? between him and any corporate politician that just gets bought and sold by the lobbyists? No, the, there's the not, but let's stay on this what's point real difference? quick. Let's stay on the, there, there's not a difference. Um, you're, you're, where you're going, the, answer, the short answer is there's not a difference. But let's go to the circle so people can see it. Gavin Newsom and the Green have been pushing green cars, green energy and electric cars in California, pushing hard, putting uh, percentages out there that are almost can't be met. PG&E has gone to the governor's office and saying, which do you want? A multi-billion dollar rebuild of the trans transport lines that go through the forest, or do you want more kilowatt opportunity out there? Because you've got to charge these cars. You have a brownout every time you have a hot summer. That's right. What do you think if everybody plugs in 25% EVs? I can't deliver the energy. There's going to be massive brownouts. Do you want me to build more capacity or do you want me to fix all these uh, transport lines? No, you're right. Build the capacity. That's the trade. Newsom made the trade. Scumbag. Well, I mean, we're going to see if it's going to be happening or not uh, with Newsom. But next story I want to go to is what happened yesterday with uh, the, the shooting that took place, 22 dead, 16 injured, and still on the run. 
Uh, active shooter uh, situation in Maine hospital says mass casualty, mass shooter event. This is a Fox News story here. Uh, let me get to it, and I will uh, read who this guy, Robert Card, is. So mass shooting in Maine has left 22 people dead and 30 injured, two locations. Maine Public Safety Commissioner Micah Suschuk highlighted the fluidity of the situation in a press conference, emphasizing the staggering death uh, toll for a state that only had 29 homicides in the fall of 20 in all of 2022. The Lewiston Police Department has identified Robert R. Card as a person of interest, describing him as armed and dangerous. Card is a firearms instructor, fantastic, Jeez. and a member of the armed Army Reserve Station in Seiko, Maine. He had reported recent mental health issues, including threats to shoot up the National Guard base in Maine. Authorities urged yeah. residents to shelter in place, and this order was expanded to include Lisbon uh, after Card's vehicle was found near the Lisbon boat uh, truck and uh, who Robert Card is, he's a person is a 40-year-old Army reverse, uh, reservist from uh, Bowdoin, Maine, had a prior misdemeanor DUI conviction from 2007, has shown online support for conservative figures like Trump, Jr., Tucker, and Dinesh. Law enforcement is actively searching right. for Card, who was uh, uh, last seen driving a white Subaru uh, uh, outback and a manhunt has expanded to surrounding areas after the deadly shooting at the bar and grill restaurant and bowling alley, making it the deadliest shooting in the United States this year. Vinny, what do you got on this story? I, I just uh, I, I want to make a point, Pat. Like, obviously, within 25 minutes, you said 40 earlier, within 25 minutes, they knew everything about this one guy. And it's just it's just a coincidence to me. Every time a story about Biden comes out yesterday, this happened Two or three weeks ago, uh, we had another shooting. The day information about Hunter and uh, Biden came out was a big story. There was a shooting. And all of a sudden, yesterday, a story of 40 confidential FBI sources say that evidence of criminal activity committed by Joe, James, and Hunter Biden comes out. This happens. And I already know what's going to happen. Everybody on the left is going to say, guns, take the guns. We have to get guns. But think about this. Ovaldi shooter, mentally ill. El Paso shooter, mentally ill. Parkland shooter, Lewinson, Nashville, Fort Hood, Sandy Hook, Virginia Tech, all mental illness. And they say America has a gun problem. No, no. We have a mental health problem. How? The, explain to me, everybody here, explain to me how the guy has said on, on record, I want to go and shoot a bunch of people in this place. The FBI at my old no, base, my place of work. Yeah, exactly. And I, yeah, on a military base. And the FBI, it's like it's almost as if the FBI constantly drops the ball because they have so much other things going on, like going after parents at school board meetings for protecting kids to going after people at January 6th that weren't even there. Waving like, flags. How many times are we going to hear the ball drop or we had this guy in the investigation and talk about the mental health issue of this guy from the friends to the family to the FBI to mental health. It's in here, Pat. That just comes out of nowhere. Nobody just wakes up one morning and goes, I'm going to go and start shooting. Uh, 60 people. That's it just doesn't the, make sense. That's the macro, and there's a hell of a lot to unpack in there, Vinny. I think you're on, on it. But the, the, on the micro I look at is we keep talking about two things. So he was in a mental health facility for two weeks. <laughs> so after making a threat, he was appropriately you know, uh, placed in the facility, and he's there for two weeks. W wait, 
I thought we had the um, the whistleblower law. I think my brother my brother has guns, and I think he's really loose right now. I think there's some real problems going on. I think someone should go over there. And guess what? The authorities go over to the house and they take the weapons. They say, okay, you have a gun. No, no, sorry, you you can't have these. You got to give these. Where, how did he have the weapons? Is that a federal did- law or is that a state law? I think I, it really I, depends, right? Because yeah. I don't think we have a federal law like that. No, um, no, it's not, it's, it's not federal. We, we haven't got through two thirds on that. Right. Yeah. So, so the reason why I bring that up is because each state has, I mean, it's ridiculous. Each state has its own gun laws. And so some states have implemented red flag laws. I don't know if Maine is one of them. Obviously, the story broke last night. Yeah, we so don't know. I don't, the, yeah, exactly. I like a lot that, of yeah. details I don't know yet. Um, I, look, I agree that there is a mental health crisis. And clearly, this is a guy who's an army reservist. Um, had he not had that stint in a mental health facility, you know, he would legally be able to buy any gun he wants. There's no problem, right? And even even the laws that the left um, are proposing when it comes to mass shootings wouldn't impact this guy. He would totally be able to buy the guns legally. So I think that when it comes to gun violence in the country, both sides are right. It's just that we're all talking past each other. I do think there needs to be appropriate funding of mental health in the country. The problem is every time there's a mass shooting, Republican lawmakers point to the mental health issue. But then when push comes to shove and they have an opportunity to vote on legislation that appropriates the necessary resources for mental health care, all of them vote no. The last time that legislation came up, only one Republican voted yes. So there's that issue. I do think, look, I'm I'm a believer in the Second Amendment. I've never, I've never supported you know, banning guns. But as I've gotten older and now living in California in the state that it's in, I do believe in having a firearm for self-protection, for self-defense. And I totally get where gun advocates are coming from when they feel that they are being punished with gun legislation when a bad guy, you know, carries out a mass shooting or a crime with a gun. I don't think that law-abiding citizens should be punished, which is why I think there are certain regulations that I think don't punish law-abiding gun owners while also making it difficult, increasingly difficult for criminals to get their hands on guns. So closing gun show loopholes, for instance, um, closing loopholes where you wouldn't need to go through a background check, like uh, buying a gun from a private seller, for instance. I think closing those loopholes makes sense. Going through a background check Ain't a big deal. Right. Um, But at the same time, just doing that alone, I don't think is going to solve this problem. I think that you're right. I think that there is a mental health crisis in the country and we absolutely need to be serious about combating it. Yeah, this is a this is the b- biggest problem in my estimation is that we're so desensitized to this thing. This this alert came on my phone yesterday at 10 p.m. at night. There I am going through the stories about what we're going to be discussing today. Israel, Hamas, the economy. Oh, another mass shooting. All right, cool. All right, what else is out there? That's where we're at in America today. It's is sad, that it's just yeah. another you know headline the news and it'll be forgotten about. Here's the difference. I think this time this happened in Maine. What's the city in Maine that this happened in? Um, Bowdoin, Maine, yeah. what have you. Okay, so that is an hour away from where? New Hampshire. The first primary uh, of the election season is getting a few months away in February. We're what? November, December, January. We're three, four months away. Mm-hmm. This is in their backyard. We all remember what happened in Parkland, mm-hmm. Orlando, here in Florida, where this became a massive culture war over here. The, the guns, schools, this, that. Like, this 
basically took over the state of Florida. I'm wondering how that's going to have an effect on New Hampshire and the primaries. Because then you have someone like Biden who's coming out basically saying he's not even in the primary. He's just going to wait till the general election. <laughs> yeah. He's not even he's not even participating. But you have RFK mm-hmm. who's basically making noise. He's basically we're seeing that it's uh, the, the, the the most obvious call is going to be October of 2024. It's neck and neck Biden and Trump. That's we've seen it every single time. What 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 role will RFK play in this, especially when it comes to the gun violence issue in America? Because he said very poignantly, look, I've lost my father and my uncle, President JFK, to gun violence. So if there's anybody that can speak on this topic, it's going to be RFK. So it's going to uh, – America is desensitized, but we'll see how it basically plays out in the actual political mm-hmm. arena, especially in New Hampshire where the first primaries occurring. I mean there, there's a legacy that America has to – kind of look at and if the informed voter wants to look at it we can do it and rob you know the one i'm coming to here daniel patrick monahan you know there is some common sense here about closing the gun show loophole and when everybody sicks about that in the second amendment what they fail to notice if two private people sell a car a motorcycle a boat or a jet ski there is a form you have to fill out and you have to take it downtown because there's license plates on that because there needs to be insurance on that so it seems pretty reasonable that you know whoever owns what serial number that just like when you bought the gun the first time, that serial number gets it transferred to somebody else. Um, so I think there's some common sense things on this. Going to the mental health side, you know, cause you're right. They go, you know, the, the right goes to mental health, left goes to gun control. Sure. But if we could take a look here, not that one, the second one and the paragraph, Daniel Patrick Monahan under the Kennedy administration, signed legislation that basically the federal, there was a network of federally funded um, mental health institutions in this country Mm -hmm. because we recognized people were having challenges. And Daniel Patrick Monaghan, there is a pen that sits in a frame in our Capitol in one of the committee rooms that he and Kennedy used to sign the legislation. But to Pat Monaghan, he looked back, a rare politician to look back and say, we made a mistake here. Read this. To Chairman Monahan, the pen is no souvenir. He believes it, legislation to close the mental health institutions, set in motion a national strategy. The asylums emptied out, but the government never built the community centers that were supposed to be in place by 1980. It stopped at a woeful 482. As a result, the deinstitutionalized mentally ill, mentally ill people with real challenges released, were literally left out in the cold. They were free, all right, Monahan said. They might henceforth sleep in doorways as they often chose. The problem of homelessness appeared characteristically defined as people who lacked affordable housing. So he was pointing out that we didn't even want to talk about it, that we had taken mentally ill people that were in institutions getting care where they also wouldn't harm people. And suddenly they were out there and we said, we have a homeless problem. And he pointed out that the start of our homeless problem was really thousands and thousands and thousands in the major cities of mentally ill. And this never got corrected. The government never did what they said they were going to do, which was a starting point of 2,000 community centers to care for the mentally ill so they don't do wild, whack things like mass shootings. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Did they find this guy yet? No. He's has he out, been caught? No, no. Hell no. He's out and about. And he's he an army military. reservist and a firearms instructor? He's, he has military Can, training. We, yeah. You did some research. Have we have any evidence of anyone else that's done these mass shootings 
of being a firearms instructor? I, I, I don't think there was one that was an instructor. I remember there was a guy in California, mm -hmm. Chris Domer. He was a cop. I don't know if he was a veteran. Oh, that's right. The bald black gentleman mm -hmm, that was, mm -hmm. he was walking up to people and just shooting them. And then he resorted to like a cabin somewhere. He drove up north and then either they shot him or he committed suicide. Yeah, Big Bear. He went up and Big hit Bear. Big Bear. Yeah. So. Yeah, so with this guy, I was watching um, a news report about him today, and the authorities are actually very concerned with how... They should be. Yeah, I mean, how skilled he is with this weaponry. Yeah. And so, obviously, there's a manhunt. I have no doubt that they're going to find him. Uh, but, you know, I, I also understand where the law enforcement is coming from on this because they're <laughs> concerned with how skilled he is. Yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good... It's a valid reason to be concerned with a guy like this. So, okay, next story. I, Up. I was going to add one thing. I don't know if you're going to transition to this whole war that potentially could take place. With because what? I'm going to Netanyahu is where I'm going to. Okay, well, the, the one thing I was going to say is, this, the, of course, the left-wing media, right, this is the Daily Mail, has basically said he's been on, shown online support of, of yeah. conservative figures like Donald Trump, Give Tucker Carlson, and Dinesh D'Souza. Yeah. So obviously they're already, like, sort of categorizing of right -winger, yeah, of right -winger, him right-winger. Right-winger. I just think maybe a, a story, if you want to cover the parlays with this, is the um, essentially the, the call for arms that's going on in America today. The okay, yeah, that's, okay. A, that's a good story. That's we great, can get yeah. to that. Yeah, so so... Da, 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 where are we at? Uh, That's on page four of the Patriots. So th just something about, do you want me to read that story? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so uh, there's a new poll out there that says Patriots may have to resort to violence to save the United States. Sort of, uh, look, they're labeling him a patriot, I'm assuming. Uh, no, in, I, wouldn't in say pa I wouldn't say that. No, I wouldn't, but yeah. they're basically sort of categorizing I think there's still some the table right stakes way. here, Adam. I so, think that's a little jump. Yeah. I, All right, Tom, let me read the story there, guy. Go ahead. Um, so there's a new poll that says yeah, Tom, Patriots. Shut up may have to resort to violence to save the United States, okay? In a recent survey conducted by the Public Religion Research Institute, PRRI, indicates that 23% of respondents believe that patriots may have to resort to violence to save the United States, making this the first time this support for political violence has exceeded 20%, okay? The PRRI has asked the question in eight separate surveys since March of 21 that this is the first time it has peaked above 20%. Okay, so support for political violence has seen an increase regardless of political party affiliation among Republican surveys. One-third, that's 33%, now believe violence may be necessary. That's up from 28% in 2021. Among Democrats, 13% share this view in 2023 compared to 7%. So that's a good jump. That's a jump. Independents have witnessed a rise with 22% considering violence as an option from 13%. I've done some math on this, so real quick, if you're on the right, if you're on the right side of this, if you go from 28% to 33%, that's an 18% jump. Nothing crazy there. The shocking thing is the Democrats have gone from 7 to 13%, 85% uh, jump right there. And then independents, 13 to 22, 69%. So, you know, you get... You get categorized. Oh, the right wing—they're coming for you, whatever. They're, they're sort I of mean, holding there's strong. There's a way higher percentage of of right wingers who believe we should go to violence, which 33% is terrifying. And don't get me wrong—I'm yeah. not minimizing what we're seeing with independents and the left. I, that's also terrifying. But what I am noticing is what started off as mostly right wing voters, uh, like this trend, mostly existing in the realm of right wing politics, now spreading to other political ideologies in mm -hmm. America. 
And it's just so destructive, so dangerous, and really makes no sense. Because resort to violence to save the country, how exactly? Right. Right? Like, finish the sentence. How exactly is you carrying out violence going to save the country? In what way? If anything, it's going to get a bunch of people who, you know, think they're engaging in some, you know, worthwhile civil war. They're going to end up in prison for the rest of their lives. You know, their entire lives, their family li- families' lives will be destroyed. It just makes... I think this is part of this all stems from the polarization in the country, the fact that we have dehumanized each other and we're unwilling to see each other for what we are. We are Americans. Okay. Someone on the other side of the aisle who I disagree with is still my fellow American. And where we work out our differences is in elections, in the political realm. You know, I used to kind of like look down at this pressure to engage in civility, but now I kind of understand where that thought process comes from, right? Because if things devolve to the point where we get so angry at each other that we think we need to pick up a firearm and fight each other in a violent way, well, it just destroys the fabric of the country. It destroys the belief and trust in our democratic process. And so, look, I I can't control other people's behavior. I know that I've personally tried to bring the temperature down um, Mm -hmm. on our show. I look back at some of the things that I've said, you know, like in 2016, I think that's a perfect example. And it just wasn't the right way to go. I let my emotions get the better of me rather than thinking strategically of how we can bring the country together And get America to a better place. Anna, when is violence, if ever, acceptable? Especially when in the you're United States. When you're defending yourself? Well, <laughs> I, well, okay. well I was going to excuse Adam. It said violence towards who or what? Was it specified of what we were talking about? Because it's saying patriot. So I just want to say really fast. Patriotism is a feeling of love or devotion, a sense of attachment to one's country, which I don't see anything wrong with that. And a patriot is someone who vigorously supports their country and is prepared to defend it against enemies or detractors. And, and, and hear me out. Can you blame, I, when somebody's getting angry, when the real patriots, like I'm, I consider myself a patriot, someone that genuinely loves this country and has served for this country just like Pat, like can you really, can you really blame them when, when, when these patriots see their government actively trying to destroy the country? Think about this and just follow me for a second. When they don't feel safe because the government lets criminals run amok, like you talked about Cali, commit crime, no consequences. Same government that purposely leaves the border wide open, fentanyl coming in, killing 100,000 Americans every year. Mass shootings, 600. I'm not trying to soften it, but 100,000 are coming in through this border, let alone the 10 million of God knows how many terrorists are coming in. The same government that labels parents domestic terrorists for simply speaking up at their school board meetings to protect their children from like LGBTQ stuff or sexualization and CRT. Same government that keeps sending hundreds of billions of dollars of our tax money, you're talking about your money, your parents' money, all of our money, to foreign countries to keep getting into endless wars, and the same government that constantly lies to us about everything, everything, from the origins of a deadly virus that came from a lab from a country that, we, that hates us, that we funded, uh, to the, the same government that had a role in assassinating one of our sitting presidents, and I could see, I'm not condoning violence, but at what point do we say as Americans, enough is enough, okay? And if you're not willing to fight for it, then we just sit back and we just have the attitude, God, and of, of just, yeah. eh, whatever, leave the border open, send our money everywhere, I want crime, I want this, I think it's time, I'm not saying violence towards each other or whatever, but it's like, 
We got to stick up for ourselves. We have to say something or we're losing it. So I have a lot of empathy for where you're coming from. I mean, I disagree with a lot of what you said, but I understand. What, what, part, what, part, what part of what I said about the list of what you're going, it's the same, you live yeah. in the same country yeah, that's doing just, to you. Honestly, it's the framing, right? So you're correct in, you know, I don't know the exact figure, but gun violence kills way more than just 600 people, right? So like- Mass shooting, no, mass, mass, I know, I know, suicide I know, and stuff, that's what different you mean. story, okay. Yeah, yeah, no, I know well, what you homicides, mean. Homicides, gun violence, yeah. yeah. but g- gun violence is a problem. If you're mm-hmm. only focused on mass shootings, then it doesn't seem like as big of a problem as it really is, but it does claim a lot of American lives every year. That's what I mean, like the framing, I, I differ from, from you on framing. But no, and I'm empathetic in feeling that rage though, mm-hmm. right? And I'm also a very fiery person, Part of the reason why I don't have kids is because I feel like if I did have kids, I would get violent. Like I'm not. <laughs> I would do. I, would I love do. your honesty, though. No, I would though. I would. Anyone gets even close to my kid, hurts so, like a hair on their head. I would. Anyway, let's yeah, move yeah, on. Yeah, we'll move, move on. on. Um. Anyway, but <laughs> the point that I'm trying to make is, look, we all have these human instincts that are destructive and don't actually yield the results that we want. Violence is a perfect example of that because you just carry out violence because you're angry at at all of the injustices in our system, the injustices that stem from that system. But all that's going to end up happening is either the police are going to hunt you down and kill you in a shootout or you're going to end up in prison for the rest of your life. That doesn't actually fix any of the problems. You bring up the parents at the school boards, right? Yeah. Now, look. The parents at these school boards got real active. They got real organized. And even though some of what they're preaching I don't agree with, they managed to get the results that they wanted in their school districts. So the reason why I bring that up is because if cooler heads can prevail and you can think strategically about how to get the policies you want, how to get the politicians you prefer elected into office, that's a much better and long-lasting effort, strategic effort to change the country in the direction that you want to change it into. But right now we have all of these like, look, we have wannabe revolutionaries on the left. We have people preaching for civil war on the right. It is a recipe for disaster and it will not yield the results that either side of the political aisle want. That's that's where I'm coming from. The question becomes, how do we get here? The question becomes, who caused this divide? The question becomes... You know, uh, is there a group that wants this to become a reality? Is there a group behind closed doors that's instigating for this to become a reality? Who wins when this happens? What is their victory? Are they looking at everybody and saying, look at all these fools. We fooled all of them. Look what they're doing. Keep them entertained. Keep them distracted. Keep them fighting each other. Keep them doing this. What what are they gaining by doing such a thing? There's 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 a few things that scares the hell out of people of power. One of them is, uh, we've talked about this many times, is when, when they realize that the people realized that they're more powerful than them. Mm-hmm. That scares the crap out of men and women in power power. Like I'm talking establishment power. Uh, and, and typically their answer is when shit hits the fan and all their lies are being exposed, they want to start talking about peace and let's get along yeah. and let's do this and let's do that. So... I'm with it. Let's figure out a way. Our entire show here is bringing anybody and everybody and talking. We don't hold anybody. I'll have Anthony Weiner here. 
We'll have uh, 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 the Mr. Zoom, whatever, you know. He, <laughs> Jeffrey we'll Tuggin Tubin. We'll, yeah. we'll have him We'll have on. a guy like Jank Uger. We'll yeah. have Jank on. We'll have Alex Jones on. We'll have Chris yeah. Cuomo on. We'll have any. We'll just sit down and have a conversation together right. to see what's what. But for me, um, yeah, I, I kind of like people who want to, for example, this whole conversation with uh, Netanyahu and Hamas. I made a video last week, history of Hamas, Hezbollah, and uh, ISIS and a little bit of Al Qaeda. The level of commentary I got of people defending, you know, what Hezbollah does, what they stand for, all of these other things. And I said, listen, guy, this one guy commented who we had on the podcast. I actually like talking to him, Daniel. He said, so you're telling me if we identify Hamas, Hezbollah, and ISIS as terrorist organization, who has terrorized more people than Americans? That's what his question was back towards what American Jews have done to others. Valid question. Here's the difference. The difference is when I was in Iran and I lived there for 10 years, all I heard was Magbad Amrika, Magbad Amrika, Magbad Amrika. The level of hate on mainstream media in Iran towards America was nonstop the level of hate. And that's death to America, Pastor. Death People know to death America. To America. And they still say it today. 100%. By the way, they say it in their. In the House, in the in the Congress, Good morning. the Parliament, yeah. it's not like That's they say it in the streets. The politicians are saying it. Yep. So then you bring it to here. I was in the Army here. I was never in a meeting and never in a training routine where they said, death upon Hezbollah, death. Up. We've never said that in the U.S. Army. We've never. That's or a ne- country. Like death, death to China, that's death not, to Russia. That's not the model here. So yep. the model here isn't that. So priority. If somebody is Hamas. If you're part of Hamas, guess who you should be supportive of? I'm not surprised if you defend Hamas. If you're part of a gang, you're from, uh, let's just say, Mara Sabatrucha, yeah. and let's just say Rob is part of a crib, which yeah. doesn't make sense, but let's just say he is. <laughs> okay? What's up, I foresee you defending MS-13, and I foresee him defending uh, uh, a crib. Well, I defend neither of you, yeah. okay? But you guys are going to defend your position. I'm not a dummy to say, I cannot believe you're defending Maras. You're MS-13. Yeah. You're, of course you're going to defend that position. However, as an American, as a patriot who loves America, and this is where I live, and I'm emotionally still a man, a boy that was born in Iran, and I would love to see Iran become a democracy one day where I can take my kids and go to Khyabana Hojat so they can see where their father was raised. I'd love to go to Gulbengian, the school I went to for a couple of years in Iran, Armenian school. I'd love to do that. I can't do that today and take these kids because they won't feel safe. Of course I want to see something happen with Iran. Of course it bothers me when I see what happens with Armenia and Azerbaijan. Of course it bothers me when I see what they're doing to many historic monuments that Assyrians had in Iraq. Of course it, dis- it hurts me when I see that. But I'm in America today. I'm an American today. I'm an American patriot today. And as an American patriot, the priorities of mine going the following way. Number one is where I live, America. Number one. Number two is allies who support America, and we're on the same page with who the enemy is. Then comes everybody else. And I'm unapologetic about this. So if we are going back to, listen, man, I kind of feel like we need to you know, resort to a little bit more our military being a little bit tougher. And I don't know why we're trying to make the military more LGBTQ. And, you know, hey, uh, Trump's talking about the other day. They're saying, hey, we can create more environmentally friendly weapons and, you know, jets and all this stuff. Whether there's truth behind that or not, I know in the weird world we're living in today, I buy into it 55 percent that that kind of stuff is being said. No, 
there needs to be the enemy fearing you. And if there's one thing that's going on today is no one in the world, I believe, no one in the world fears Biden. You have to have fear, love, likability, and love. Uh, let's set the bottom two aside, okay, likability and love. We need fear. We need respect. We don't have fear today. We don't have respect today. Zero. When there's no fear, when there's no respect, Ukraine's going to do, Russia's going to do whatever they're doing to Ukraine. You got Hamas is going to do whatever they're going to do to Israel. Israel, to me, is looking for a card to say, hey, give us the permission to go destroy those guys. Of course, they're going to have that position as well. Let me just read this to you. Netanyahu got a call, got all the warnings, says former head of Israeli military intelligence. Okay? Mm -hmm. Political. Okay? Netanyahu got all the warnings. It's not like he didn't know. It's not like it's a regular, you know, person saying this here. No. It's the former head of Israeli military intelligence, Amos Yadlin, former head of um, Israeli military intelligence, emphasizes Israel's intent to destroy Hamas and Gaza, comparing them to neighboring attack, attacking country. We refer to Hamas from now on as the government Hamas, Hamastan in Gaza, a neighboring country that attacked Israel, and we declare war on this country. Yadlin criticized Netanyahu for not heeding national security warnings, stating Netanyahu got all the warnings that this is uh, weakening Israel's defense and endangering Israel's national security. Yadlin expresses concern about the potential for hostage situations and su suggests a combination of operational aids and humanitarian negotiations. They may be released through operational raids, much like 1976 Israel raid to rescue Palestine, held hostages at the airport in UB, Uganda, even though this is not uh, Antibe, I think the finger should be pointed at Hamas leader Yahya Sinwar. Adam, see a story like this. What do you think about the fact that former head of Israel military intelligence says Netanyahu got all the warnings? Well, look, I'm not in the camp that, that, that Netanyahu intentionally allowed this to happen. I'm not there whatsoever. Do I think that they took their eye off the ball because they were so hyper-focused on the judicial form of the power grab that's been taking place in Israel over the last few years, especially after he was you know, in and out of office? Yes. But that doesn't mean that he intentionally wanted the rape, murder, killings of over a thousand innocent civilians. I'm not there whatsoever. So it, 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 those stories, I feel like, are very inflated and conflated, and it's just an easy narrative. He's even said, after this war takes place, I'll have to ha hold myself accountable for what happened here, and he will be held accountable. But I'm not there. It's just in a convenient theory that like yeah of course he allowed this to happen he looked the other way was there a stand down order like charlie kirk basically mentioned i'm not there i haven't seen evidence of that and quite frankly i don't even want to believe that but he's going to be held accountable by his own people no doubt on that you yeah. were adam you were the, you were just recently I was there. there in june yeah. how, be honest with me how was the security like level i'm I being i had no idea like how yeah. how beefed up were they well it starts at the airport when you're flying okay to israel okay okay so i you know even in the miami airport like I had to say to my, my mom is like the friendliest person ever and she hasn't been there in 30 years and she wants to talk Hebrew with people. I'm like, mom, don't talk to the lady at the airport. She's not your friend. Yeah, I love Let's you just like my mom. She's like, oh, I'm going back. And the lady's like, what is, what is your business here? What are you doing? We're like, I'm like, yeah. mom, stop talking to this lady. Don't talk to anybody. And the point is and that's this. here. There's security. This is that's security in Miami. Here. That's what in I'm Miami. Saying, I'm saying, yeah, and then bring when it you down get there, oh, it's, forget it. It's, it's it's unbelievable. Security, correct? security, security, security. No doubt. So my question to yes. you is, as being there, that's I'm happy to bring this up. I understand that you don't want to kind of believe it, which I wouldn't either. Honestly, Adam, you're a mm -hmm. Jewish dude. 
explain to me how, with all the security that you saw, it took six hours. Think about that. Six hours for them to even respond. These, these terrorists were grabbing people and dragging them to Gaza. So with the security that you're telling me at that, at that level, it's unbelievable to me to say that they just... What, all the IDF, all the soldiers, everybody stopped down, which goes to my point, Pat. I showed you this video before we walked in. Ron Paul, in 2009, in the Congress, on, on the floor in Congress, I'll let, I'll let them play this. He is saying that Israel basically created Hamas to fight Yasser Arafat, and that we had a kind of a, a plane. So I'll, I'll let Rob play, Rob, and Pat, we can stop it whenever. What, what <laughs> minute does it? It's, uh, it's going to go up to a minute. It, it, this go, is a two-minute thing. Go for but. it. What's happening in the Middle East, and in particular with Gaza right now, we have some moral responsibility for both sides uh, in a way because we provide help and funding uh, for both Arab nations and Israel. And uh, so we definitely have a moral responsibility, and especially now today, the weapons being used to uh, kill so many Palestinians are American weapons, and uh, American funds essentially are being used uh, for this. But there's a political liability, which I think is something that we fail to look at because too often there's so much blowback from our intervention in areas that we shouldn't here, be here involved in. You know, Hamas, if you look at the history, you'll find out that Hamas was encouraged and really started by Israel because they wanted Hamas to counteract Yasser Arafat. And you said, well, yeah, that was better then and served his purpose, but we didn't want Hamas to do this. So then we as Americans say, well, we have such a good system, we're going to impose this on the world. We're going to invade Iraq and teach people how to be Democrats. We want free elections. <laughs> yeah. So we encourage the Palestinians to have a free election. They do, and they elect Hamas. And they got Hamas. So we first <laughs> indirectly and directly through Israel help establish Hamas. Then we have election. Then Hamas becomes dominant, so we have to kill them. <laughs> you know, it, it just doesn't make sense. During, during the That's 80s. It. You, can, you can stop right there. But, Pat, like what a, what a point where they kind of created it to fight Yasser Arafat, but then at the same token, it's like you created a monster. I mean, we did the same thing with the Taliban in, yep. in Afghanistan. Bingo. He was going to get there, too. Bin yeah, Laden. Perfect point. Yep. Huh? And he, he was just about to go there. We start, like, we're creating these monsters, and then we go, oh, my God, the monster did monster things, and we're like, how could right. they? So, and going to my point, Adam, and I love you to death, bro, it's just, and I'm getting messages, mind you, on Instagram from people, Israeli people, they're like, yo, dude, we feel your pa We understand. We want to know now. When you have John Kirby, the day it happened, going, no, no, no. Now's not the time to question, because I know we're talking about accountability years down the road, Adam, because there's war right now. They're attacking the ground invasion. The incursion right now is absolutely insane. But it's like, I'm not one of those down the road. We'll talk about it. Like you talked about George Bush Jr. He belongs in, in prison. Mm -hmm. And if Donald Rumsfeld, I would dig his ass up and put him in the electric chair. That's how much these people killed over a million People, soldiers, Americans, everybody. Now we're just supposed to be Preach. like, I like, no, just forget about it. And now you see Bush going up and talking with Democrats. It's like, bro, take your ass to jail. I hate that shit. It drives yeah. me bananas. Well, and I hit the nail on the head. Like, anytime America gets involved in regime change, mm -hmm. it's a mm -hmm. freaking disaster. Yeah. Definitely. Afghanistan, Iraq, what they're trying to do with the PLO here. But Pat brought. The biggest point of the thing. Number one, we need to be focused on America. Who who are America's allies? Come second. 
uh, is it Israel or is it Hezbollah, Hamas, <laughs> ISIS, Al Qaeda, Islamic Jihad, the Muslim I'll Brotherhood? I'll go with Israel for two hundred. What are we even talking about Israel right for two hundred. Yeah. What are we even talking about right yeah. here? Like th this equivocation, especially on the woke college campus left oh, of this, you know. So let me jump in on 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 this conversation because my my views on it are are a little more nuanced. Um, Look, what's currently happening to Palestinian civilians... First of all, let yeah. me just get this out of the way. It's really important. I was disgusted to see anyone on the left justify or provide cover for a terrorist group like Hamas. I was horrified by what Hamas did. Absolutely, Israel should go after Hamas. I have no problem with that. Now, the way the Israeli government and the IDF is going after Hamas is basically ethnically cleansing Palestinians from the Gaza Strip. OK, look, I'm Armenian. I see genocide when I, I, I can see I can recognize genocide when I see one. It is so obvious to me. Like, I'll give you a few examples. If you wanted to root out Hamas, you send in special ops. I agree. OK, that is how you do it. And I'm, I'm not saying that as some lefty. Jocko Willick said that someone who is incredibly experienced in the military. He's like, this is how you get Hamas. Bombing the crap out of residential buildings, okay, out of that Greek Orthodox church, out of the areas where all of these innocent Palestinian civilians are living in or fleeing from is not the right way to go. And look, that in the long term will not keep Israel safe because what that policy of just bombing the crap out of that area and wiping out entire families does is it breeds more extremism. OK, first of all, I think it's wrong. I don't think those civilians deserve this. OK, the majority of the civilians living in the Gaza Strip weren't even born at the time that Hamas was voted in. OK, most of them, half of them are under the age of 18. But, yep. Right. Yep. So the point that I'm trying to make is. Do you, there is a way of supporting Israel, which I, I believe we should do right without justifying what they're currently doing in the Gaza Strip. I right. Agree. We should provide them with the intel they need. We should provide them with the weapons they need with the condition that they're going to carry out these operations, special ops, as opposed to bombing the crap out of the Gaza Strip, killing all of these innocent civilians from a remote location. I think that's wrong. Anna, with, with all due respect, you're sort of falling for the mainstream narrative that you talk about railing against. So we all saw the story about the uh, hospital that was bombed by Israel. How could you do this? How could you kill innocent, innocent civilians? The New York Times didn't, basically is now retracting their statement. Yeah, it turns out it was the Islamic Jihad with a failed rocket. I can assure you of Hold this. Hold on. Nobody that is, that is not definitive, number one. Yeah, it's still not, that is not definitive, number Even the one. Wall Street Journal okay. came out and said so that is one example. Okay. Even, but, even, if, even if I give you that argument and it is proven without a re without any doubt that it was Hamas that, that did that. That is one incident in a situation where 1.1 million Palestinians are being told to evacuate their homes. As they're being evacuated to the part of the Gaza Strip where they're going to be safe, that area gets bombed. Yep. Okay. So you, let me like, ask you a very you direct at, question. Hold on, do you think hold on, Israel no, no, no. wants to kill yes, innocent civilians? I do. You think Israel genuinely wants to... I do. What I evidence do. do you have of Be that? The evidence is they are refusing to do special operations and instead are relying on bombing areas where they know, they know civilians are at, and then they'll turn around and say, well, Hamas is using them as, uh, as human, human shield. shields. So if someone was so shooting so, at you... So if, I, if, 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 a, if someone if was... You don't have kids, man, right? If an armed man 
grabbed a family member of yours. Do you have kids? No, I don't. Oh, do you have? Okay, your mother. You talked about yeah. your mother. If an armed gunman grabbed your mother, had a gun to her head, okay, and he is confronted by the authorities, by law enforcement, and the law enforcement, they just decide, you know what? We're not going to negotiate. We're not going to do anything. We're just going to shoot the hell out of both of them. And then they come to you and say, well, your mother, sorry, was a human shield. Would you accept that argument? That's not the question, though. Would you accept that argument? You're, you're making up a, a random story that what my mother is held captive. Hamas then, using Palestinians as human shields is not a justification to indiscriminately bomb the hell out of that region, knowing full well that the majority of people who are going to end up dying are not Hamas militants who are underground in the tunnels. OK, OK, it's the. Innocent civilians who are going to lose their lives. So, and the flippant behavior that I see from the West in regard to all of those innocent people losing their lives disgusts me. Okay, seeing people having to leave, vacate their homes, everything that they've known, being forced to leave the land that they have. That is exactly what happened to Armenians. That is exactly what happened during the genocide. And the fact that the United States is just willy nilly providing cover for that behavior absolutely disgusts me. Israel has a right to defend itself. How it defends itself is where we should have that conversation. Sending special ops in to get Hamas? Hell yeah, go get them. But the idea that all of these innocent kids should lose their lives as a result of this, just I don't believe it. I, don't, I, I will never support it. And in the long run, that is going to make Israeli civilians less safe, not more safe. It breeds more extremism. And by the way, it's dragging us into a broader war. OK, you have the Arab world like ready to go and you have Israel under the leadership of Netanyahu acting incredibly belligerent, doing airstrikes in freaking Lebanon. OK, talking about going to war in Iran. We're going to bring in all of these Arab countries. You think the United States is going to stay out of that? Hell no. We're going to be dragged into more forever wars. But I just think it's so destructive, so stupid. We're not thinking critically and strategically about how to help our ally Israel while also preventing the reproduction of more extremism. Yeah, the extremism me, is never going to go away. It's not going to go away. foundation of what Hamas is. It's not going to go away. In their founding doctrine, their entire doctrine is to eliminate every Jew that lives in Israel. Let me explain Do you acknowledge something. the founding doctrine of what Hamas is? The annihilation I of all Jews? I hate Hamas. Okay. Let, me, let, me, so, let me be clear. So the question is, how do we annihilate okay. them? Well, you can't find the question. I need you question. guys to understand Nobody something. Nobody wants to see innocent I civilians killed. I need you to understand Nobody, something. Including the IDF. If a government wiped out my entire family, I have nothing left to live for. And I'm real angry. Okay? That is a dangerous combination. And that is exactly what is being bred right now as we speak as entire families are getting wiped out, civilian families in the Gaza Strip. I totally get that, you know, the discourse in the United States has uh, essentially dehumanized these people. But at the end of the day, they're innocent people in a terrible situation and they don't deserve the absolute hell that they're dealing with right now, the death and destruction that they're dealing with right now. I want a peaceful two-state solution. This ain't the way to get it. Yeah, the, we are in full alignment, full agreement that we want to see zero civilian deaths. Nobody wants that. And I can assure you, the IDF, the Mossad, nobody wants civilian deaths. But we're, to, we're looking for solutions here. If I'm standing be in front of a, of a human yeah. shield and I'm throwing missiles, bombs, grenades your way, and I'm trying to kill you as a civilian and your family, what would you do? 
if if I'm if I'm trying to kill you mm-hmm. and I'm standing in front of a civilian, I'm trying to kill you, Anna. What would you do? Hey, we can't kill civilians. We need a peaceful situation here. I'm or would sorry. you shoot back? I, I apologize. No, 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 no. What would you do? No, but that's you are making a hypothetical that no, doesn't no, 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 exist no. right now. If we're was, talking about IDF soldiers that, that's literally in the what's safety going on of their right remote now. location as they're dropping bombs. That is not what's happening right now. No. So we're not having a conversation about. What about IDF the five thousand rockets? That are you going to let me answer the question? Uh, let me. Answer, what about the five thousand rockets that were fired on Israel that killed civilians? Well, well. So what do you do there? This is you what just we do. say, hey, this look, is what we do. until this is we, what we identify do. where this is coming Are you from, let me answer the we question. can't kill any civilians. Are you Nobody me... wants civilians Here's what we killed, do. Anna. Here's what we do. Here's what we do. The United States taxpayer funds the Iron Dome that intercepts all of those rockets, okay? To pretend as though we're talking about two equal sides is ridiculous to me. It is an asymmetrical war. So I'm happy. I am so happy that the United States did that, that the United States helped fund the Iron Dome to help keep Israel safe. The point that I'm trying to make right now is that the current effort in basically bombing the crap out of the Gaza Strip, first of all, breaks a bunch of international laws pertaining to war. Okay, so there are war crimes taking place as we speak, and we're here in the United States pretending like we don't see it, even though every other country in the world sees it, even though the UN Security Council sees it. So aside from doing war crimes, we're also creating a future in which Israel isn't going to be safe. Do you get what I'm saying? No, don't Unless, you think the people of Israel know that? Then why? They've never had safety there. And can, and can I say, They've can I never say one thing, safety. too? How many, you how don't many? think that in 2006 when they did the disengagement, they pulled out of Gaza, they weren't aware of this? No doubt. This is whack-a-mole on, oh. a, on the highest proportion. But at some point, if Hamas is leading Gaza, that is the government that is running Gaza, and their founding principle is the annihilation of everybody in Israel what choice do you have? The IDF you does not want to. Hamas. K- yeah. How do you do well, that? You well, go well, after Hamas. How do you do that? Well, Give me an actual uh, tangible did, solution. She already says. When special imbe- ops. That's, okay. that's how you that's do it. it. Because, no, so you just do precision well, hold on, yeah. while yes. they're shooting precision. missiles. Because okay. on, on, on the 6th, October 6th, what, 1,600 people died? I think a couple number. Now in Palestine, it's over 6,000. Okay. How many of Hamas have been killed in that 6,000? Do you know? There's, there's 44,000 in uh, Palestine, how many of them were killed? Because the, mind you, the innocent lives are at 95%. How much Hamas? Uh, when's enough enough? I get it, Adam. Israel has to protect itself, and we have to support Israel protecting itself. It didn't protect itself that day. Nobody wants to talk about it. So now, how many lives is enough? Hamas killed, and God rest all their souls, 1,600 people that day raped, killed everything. So how many more civilians have to die in Palestine for it to be like, all right, we, you know, we killed some Hamas, but if you think you're going to wipe out all of Hamas, that's uh, that's not going to happen. So now what's the solution? Just flatten Palestine. Just get everybody, buy, pack your shit and get out because we're bombing everything because that's all they're using as kids at shields. I'm pretty sure that they do. But, Adam, it's not everywhere. The majority of the deaths are women and children, innocent people. It's and, not, and, but, but go Hamas? deeper, Vinny. Don't just stop. No, I'm not again, stopped. let's start with stopped. the basic premise here that nobody wants innocent kids and civilians to be dying. Of nobody. Of course not. The difference is when, when Hamas is literally raping and beheading children and be and raping women. Okay, 
give me a solution other than, hey, don't kill innocent civilians. Give me something. You're saying precision defense, yeah, precision like that. Forces, okay, we when, have when, those when, when terrorists are embedded in schools, in hospitals, and in homes, how do you do this? Israel does what is about roof knocks. You've got 10 minutes to get the fuck out. And where are they going, because Adam? Missiles and were, then they get a bomb where okay, they're going. So at, the, at what point does Arab, the Arab countries surrounding take accountability? How many people is, is Egypt taking in? How many people is Jordan taking how in? Many, how, how many, many people is Lebanese is taking Israel in? Israel taking in? What are you talking about? You want Israel to take in yeah, Gazan Palestinian civilians. civilians. Do you yeah. know how many how many times when when, but when they won't Gazans do that, are right? sick? Because they like to conflate Hamas and innocent Palestinian civilians. Okay, so here's my question. Because they're subhuman. How, okay, how right? about this? Answer this question. How many people is the West Bank or Gaza? How many Israelis are they taking in to show support? Are you Zero in the history Wait, of their on, country. You want to talk, Zero. Are you sure you want to talk about the West Bank right now? Hundreds, the West if Bank, not thousands. Where, the, where they're governed by the Palestinian Authority, which yes. works with the Israeli government, right? They are, do, they are not at all governed by Hamas. At the same time, Israeli government has no problem with the settlers raining terror on those people living in the West Bank, right? Netanyahu has no problem with building illegal settlements in the West Bank, okay? Evicting Palestinians from their legal homes in the West Bank. By the way, like what... Honestly, answer this question, okay? You have Palestinians following the rules, doing, like, they're governed by the Palestinian Authority in the West Bank, a situation that could lead to peaceful relations between Israelis and Palestinians. Oh, really? All the peaceful relations that have never existed? No. So but, you're going on the premise that somehow, somehow in this magical world that Anna's living in, that peace is possible. Zero peace is possible. Building illegal settlements in the West Bank, which, again, is not governed by Hamas— Shows the bad faith of the current Israeli government. Yeah, but it's not the it, whether it's Itzhak Rabin, whether it's Bibi Netanyahu, whether it's Ehud Barak. Good luck. I just wish trying people, to have I peace just with Hamas. Wish that you would just say it like it is, because I feel like you're not saying it like. Tell me it what is. I'm not saying. I think Israel wants to rid that area of Palestinians. Period. And their activity in the Gaza Strip right now makes it abundantly clear to me. Abundantly clear. Listen, if there's anybody entire that understands, neighborhoods, entire neighborhoods completely leveled okay by the way you want to talk about bombing hospitals you think that was the first time a hospital was bombed they bomb hospitals all the time and ask that, yourself that why that hospital Bec was bombed so, just like a few days earlier okay this this alleged hospital that was bombing it was according it's, to according, was. according to according to multiple reports according to multiple retractions was done by islamic jihad but ask yourself this question why would they be bombing hospitals why why? Because they want to see sick, innocent people die? No, because it continue to remind you that's where Hamas basically so, embeds so, themselves. So you're saying it's, it's worth bombing it if two Hamas guys are in a hospital. You saying it's cool to bomb the shit out of that where, thing? Where are you where getting two Hamas no, guys? At, hold on. No, no, I'm no, no, no. How many, how, hold on. If I'm they're firing you. rockets and missiles from that hospital. No, no, hold on. There was no rockets shot from that hospital. What I'm saying is how many Hamas people are just, let's say they're in there. Let's say they're in there with guns. No. You're going to bomb the whole hospital and wipe everybody out, cancer, kids with cancer, to take out, let's say, five or ten Hamas. That's where Adam, where she's making a point. It's special forces. And let's not pretend like they don't have some amazing special forces in Israel. And we can support because we, we help them as well, Adam. It's like it's uh, when is enough enough? That's what I know what she's so, saying. So for us to wrap it up, and I, I, I love the fiery exchange you guys are having, but I will say this to you. 
I don't blame you for feeling the way you do. Your, your, your family's from Israel. You're Jewish. Of course you're going to have affinity to your community, your family, 100%. Two, uh, the ally in the Middle East is Israel. That's it. We don't have as many powerful allies as Israel. We have other allies, but not at the level of Israel that we have. Three, uh, you know, when you do kill 5,000, let's just say you get 40, 50, 100, 200. Let's just say you got 500, 10% is Hamas. Mm-hmm. Let's just throw that number out, out of their 40,000. The other 45,000, those families are never going to forget it. Trust me. I'm, I'm a byproduct where I'm at right now at 45 years old financially because somebody offended my dad 20 years ago in front of my face. And I'm never going to forget that. I'm going to go till I die to make sure they're going to remember my dad's last name till the day I die. Love it. They're going to have to. So, so imagine at this small level of where I'm going, my fires come out. I don't need another three, $400 million. That's not what I'm doing this for. I know those people that lost family. This cycle is not going to go away. It's going to take 5, 10, 15, 20. Maybe it's not going to happen under Netanyahu's watch. Matter of fact, it's not going to happen on Netanyahu's watch, but it is going to happen under another person's watch. Now, the war, you know, is this thing ever going to stop? It's been going on for thousands of years. We're going to be able to stop it now. The, the military side of saying going from the, the way that Jock was talking about, yes, I mean, they have this underground thing that's so massive and strategic. It's freaking ridiculous. There's a video. You can actually oh go God, see it. Oh, that? Where the guy from Fox News went to the bottom. They actually gave him a tour of it. I don't know if yeah. you've seen this or not, what this looks like. It's so it, it's, it's, it's very interesting how much they time they put into it. underground city. It's, it's uh, built by terrorists. So again, <laughs> And we're so, wondering how we, uh, we have to be yeah, very careful but, but, here with these but, cities. But also, if I were to ask the motive of Netanyahu, when I ask the pilot, the Israeli pilot, you know which one I'm talking about, Vinny? Yeah. When yeah, I ask yeah, him, yeah. he says... Honestly, if you want to ask me, I don't want us to take any uh, refugees, nobody. I want us to be 100% Israeli Jews. That's what I want Israel to be. I want nobody else there. By the way, there's nothing wrong with you believing that. But that's who you are. That's what you believe in. Great, go for it. There's some people in America don't want anybody else to come in here. That doesn't make it right or wrong. It's their belief, what they're thinking about. So where this is going to go next, again, America first is the following. This is my concern. This comes back to down to the southern border. A couple of these guys are like, oh, you want to do that? No problem. Iran has vengeance. They're just looking for an excuse. People coming down here, they're looking for an excuse. Five, 10, 15 years from now, mm-hmm. we're having a regular day. Yep. Kind of like the day you got a text that Kobe Bryant died and none of us believed it. Kind of like when all of a sudden 9-11 happened. Nobody expected it. We're going to have something like that happen. And then that person's going to scream back and say, remember what you did to us 15 years ago? This is what you're getting for this. So my concern is that. So if we had a stronger president that could impose fear on all of them collectively, maybe they would tone it down a little bit. But unfortunately, there is not a strong leader in charge that can get everybody to say, relax and tone it down. You can be in a room, fight breaks out. One person that everybody in that room fears says, guys, chill out. Stop. Not right now. Everybody stops. That one person is not Joe Biden. It doesn't exist in the world today. We're going to unfortunately keep having these conflicts. By the way, we think we're done with this. Sure. Election is going to happen. Too. They got 12. Think about what the strategic, the, the opportunist people are thinking about, mm. the regimes. I have 12 more months to invade somebody until, God forbid, somebody else gets elected. Because I know I can't do it under Trump. What happened the day Reagan got uh, elected? The day, what did Iran do? Release. What did Khomeini do? <clears throat> Release prisoners. They're like, whoo. Hey. We'll mess with Carter. We ain't, we ain't yeah. scared of Carter. Yeah. We are not effing with Trump. Yep. Uh, we need strong leadership. When America's strong, everybody else kind of pumps their brakes when they want to do anything stupid. Anyways, appreciate the banter. We got to wrap up. I got a meeting upstairs. Uh, Anna, truly a pleasure. Honestly, really enjoyed it. I didn't Thank know what you. direction this was going to go. <laughs> You're fantastic. I love listening to you. I love your take as well. 
Uh, appreciate you guys going back and forth. Uh, gang, uh, uh, Anna, anything that uh, uh, you're working on, any projects that you want the audience to follow that maybe you're working on right now, that'd be great for us to share with the audience. Sure, yeah, definitely check us out over at uh, The Young Turks. Uh, that's youtube.com slash The Young Turks. <laughs> Fantastic. Rob, let's put that in comment, chat, and uh, description. And if you enjoyed what uh, uh, Anna had to say or disagree, let's put the Twitter link as well so we can also get some commentary there too. Gang, have a great weekend. We will do this again next week. Take care. Bye-bye, bye-bye. Thank you.